Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 152 for Thursday, August 23rd, 2012. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, we got a lot to discuss this week. Just some housekeeping to get out of the way if things are a little out of whack. Uh, for some reason, a computer crashed when we updated our new soundboard app. I don't know why Soundbite decided that when we did the update for this week, that it was going to take a complete dump. And as such, certain things are a little off, particularly uh, Microsoft OneNote. So if things play a little strangely, they will be cleaned up in post-production. All right, so... Figured I'd give you guys an update. We ended up picking up the 3DS last week for my sister, and um, she was very happy. And we also ended up getting her the Mario game as well. Now, of course, it couldn't go off without a hitch because you know that that's the way shit works when when you're rich. You know that's that's what happens when you're when you're rich and you're trying to get shit done. Um, the entire world decides to take a complete dump on your head. This was one of those instances, but nonetheless. Um, we, and it wasn't even GameStop, it was uh, my grandmother just being an old, an old lady. So, go to GameStop, uh, the Saturday before, and find out that the deal is 100% legit, which I'm shocked. Uh, you get 100 bucks for your 3DS towards the 3DS XL, which is $199, by the way, just putting that out there. Anyway, get $100 off and you're good to go. So, in my infinite wisdom, I make sure to call and confirm that we're still doing this entire exercise. So I call my grandmother. I'm like, yo, are we going to rock and roll with the 3DS? And she's like, oh, I don't know, blah, 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 all this other personal shit I had to take care of. And I'm like, yeah, but you returned the shitty tablet, right? Oh, yeah, 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 I returned it. I'm like, okay, so what's the problem? 
Anyway, one thing led to another. She was complaining about giving me the hundred bucks, and then I told her it's a hundred bucks plus tax. And you know, in old people, in especially in in Spanish old people logic, it's like you know they don't believe in things like tax and shit like that. You know that are kind of important. They're like tax. What the fuck is tax? Like yo, the 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 system's gonna come out to about a hundred and eight bucks. Now don't get me wrong, I, I'd put in the eight dollars, but it's just an exercise I chose to endure because it's like it's a hundred and eight bucks. Let's get it done. But turns out she kind of belly ached about it. The guy at GameStop told me to put a $50 deposit to guarantee that I got a system, which, you know, in GameStop logic is, please, dear God, give us another pre-order so we can meet our quota. But anyway, I ended up passing on it because I didn't know what the fuck she was going to do and took my ass home. Sunday morning, she calls, oh, you know, come down here and get the money for the uh, for the system, which was exactly, folks, a $100 bill. Not the $8, not $108, just a single solitary $100 bill, uh, along with my sister's 3DS, which my grandmother, like most old people, actually had the box and all the little baggies and shit. And um, she says to me, oh, you know, they're going to take it and they're going to bag it up and sell it as new. I sincerely doubt it, but stranger things have happened. Anyway, I walk in, go into GameStop, deal with the guy that's there. Of of course, the first question, did you pre-order? I'm like, nope, didn't pre-order shit. But guess what? I got $108 and another 3DS here that guarantees me that you will sell me one. So the guy was like, yeah, okay, we got we got two left. We got a blue one and a red one. Mind you, this GameStop just opened. It's in an area of town where nobody even knows the GameStop is there. So you guys know the deal. Anyway, ended up picking up the 3DS. It's, it's fairly big. Um, definitely a better picture. And, and, you know, given that my sister wears glasses, I was actually quite happy that I picked it up for her. I don't feel so bad. I still feel that it's a cash grab on Nintendo's part, but that's a story for another day. We also ended up bagging the new Super Mario Brothers 2, which which is actually quite enjoyable. I actually played through a couple of games uh, yesterday, and it, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, I haven't played a, a handheld system in ages. It's not something I choose to do. Most times handhelds are either on the on the phone on the android phone or on the ipad like like that's the extent of my gaming all the other gaming is done on the console simple as that so you know i was happy it went the way it went but of course like i said some hiccups turns out that um she ended up you know my grandmother ended up going through with it and we ended up getting her the 3ds of course the tablet got returned with no fuss obviously that tablet should be melted down like i said oh the brand was uh it wasn't Dynex, it was Dixum, D-I-X-U-M, and she bought it in a discount. It was loaded, I believe, with Android 2.1, I'd like to say. I, I think that's Eclair, if I remember correctly. Nonetheless, it was old as shit. Not only that, but it used SD cards. It had no built-in memory. Uh, it, was, it was complete dog shit. So there you have it. I figured I'd give you guys the update regarding that. Now, let's get into some other stuff. Of course, this week, we got the huge UFC 151 news, which are going to be addressed in our MMA segment. Ben is going to be calling in to follow up and share his thoughts on it. I can tell you guys right now, Ben was extremely upset. Uh, He was upset with the way Dana White handled it. He was upset with people on Twitter. Ben is just very upset. and I've spoken to Ben on many occasions you know, just in terms of uh, editor and, and writer relationship. 
And Ben is a pretty mellow dude. So for him to be this riled up, we actually had a very lengthy exchange on Facebook chat, just him breaking down what he was upset about. And, and he was he was just, you know, he was just in his in his in his issues and he's going to be addressing those on air. I also will share my thoughts on it. But we're also going to be joined by a third individual, and that's going to be Luis Gomez. He's a comedian here in New York, and he's also the host of the Hammer Fisting podcast that you can catch on Stitcher. Now, you guys tune in. You guys hear us talk about a variety of stuff, and we, we do some off-color commentary. We do some colorful language, but Luis and the crew at Hammer Fisting, they're, they're on a whole other level of crazy, which is good. Um, one thing I, I always say and I've said it multiple times, is I try not to listen to shows that cover the same shit we do. Um, just because, like I said, the in- the inadvertent absor- absorption of ideas can occur, and I don't want to do that. So I, I try to kind of stay in my own lane. If I do listen to other shows, it's about stuff that an extreme departure from what we do or is in a completely different genre. You know, shows like Blogcast FM I'll listen to. Uh, I actually listen to the Grammar Girl podcast, Don't Don't Crack Jokes, because as an editor, I fuck up a lot writing stuff, and honestly, a lot of people that write for us, sometimes they write some stuff that is just unavoidably needing to be fixed. So I, I do throw the Grammar Girl some, some love on occasion, and um, a couple of other shows that, again, aren't in the wheelhouse of stuff that we cover, the Audacity to Podcast, stuff like that, uh, the guys from the GFQ Network. So for me to listen to Hammer Fisting, it actually ended up happening because I listened to shows on the Riotcast network like You Know What Dude with, with Bobby Kelly, Stuff with Rich Voss, all those comedians I enjoy. So I came across it, and I checked them out a couple of months back, and I, I laughed my ass off, I have to admit, especially since those guys have a background in comedy. Um, it really comes off totally, totally different. But they know their shit. They had the MMA nerd on last week. There were jokes about Rampage killing babies and all kinds of craziness, so I really enjoyed it. I endorsed those guys, so definitely check them out if you want a couple of laughs and you're an MMA fan. So uh, He should be joining us around 11.30, 12 o'clock. Ben is also going to be joining us at around 11.30 or so, and we're going to dissect the UFC 151 news. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of other MMA, and that's the scoop regarding that. Uh, I got an email from our buddies at FutureCast Media. And, you know, they are handle MTR syndication. They're going through some, some issues on their end. But MTR shows will continue to air on Mondays and Saturdays. I don't know how often they're going to be updating with the newest shows. But they got a pretty decent stable of shows on the FutureCast Network. Again, if you want to check out the show there, be advised that since they're going through some stuff internally that it may not be the newest episode. But... If you want to catch the newest episodes of MTR, please make sure to listen via iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Blueberry, TuneIn Radio, the Zune Podcast Network, all the usual podcatchers. We're all over the place. We're also putting our episodes on YouTube, in case you didn't notice. Um, We started doing that with 150. We're trying to be more aggressive with that because some people actually just like having the YouTube player playing in the background because they have access to it that way. Also did want to bring to your attention that episodes of MTR are also being posted directly on the website. So that way, those of you that are subscribing via RSS, uh, which I believe are about 50 or 60 of you guys, you'll be able to get the show that way as well. I actually started doing that because a couple of people brought that to my attention that they had to subscribe to a completely different feed to get the show. So 
now with that said, when we do the write-ups for the episodes, you'll get the show on your RSS feed as well. Uh, hold on a second. I'm seeing what the deal is here. Uh, Slick is telling me about a caller. Yeah. Um, don't mind me. All right. Uh, regarding uh, something that Slick messaged me, just let him know that to stay on hold unless it's one of our guests. Anyway, moving on. As I was saying... Those are all the avenues you can get the show, um, and that's it. I lost my train of thought. This is what I get for multitasking like an asshole, fucking ADD. Anyway, moving on. Get glue check-ins. Thank you, as always, for using those. We are getting some great results for that. We got a lot of new articles this week, tons of movie trailers, um, including Andrea's breakdown of the last season of The Office, and, some, and she gets to showcase some of her favorite clips we also got a ton of movie trailers, including uh, trailers for Red Dawn, a movie that they're doing actually about the tsunami disaster, which looks a little, I want to say ill-timed, but you know what? We got a movie, we got a couple of movies about 9-11 under our belt already, and um, that's the scoop regarding that. So make sure to check out those trailers. I am playing Darksiders 2, as is Slick. I believe Ben finished it, and our reviews will probably be up on the site sometime this week or over the weekend. Uh, I don't know how far Slick is. I know Slick is definitely further along than I am. I'm at about the halfway point, so you'll get a review from us as well. We're also going to put out an article about the Expendables 3 and actors and actresses that we'd like to see involved in that project. I'm really having fun with that article. You're going to see a lot of names that some of you may have not heard of in years, but are definitely relevant if you are an action movie fan, so be on the lookout for that. Alright, so let's get into tonight's topics. We gotta talk about SummerSlam, we gotta talk Impact, Monday Night Raw, Strike Force with Ronda Rousey and um, Sarah Kaufman, which was insane for a ton of reasons. We're also gonna be talking about some stuff going on in the gaming industry, especially the OnLive situation, which as as a gamer, I got to meet the, the guys from OnLive at the Gadget event last year. And what's going on with that company is just really crazy at the moment. So I want to kind of touch on that a little bit. We also got all our usual movie news. We got some what the fuck movie news. Uh, I know Slick had wanted to get on last week. And the wrestling segment kind of took a hit last week. So that stuff, we're going to make sure to address it this week. I know that the interviews last week went really well. And I didn't want to fuck up the flow. So we'll get all that stuff this week. Also, before I forget... Uh, we did a new MTR Beyond the Mic with the creators of Roxer, which is a new upcoming superhero cartoon that kind of borrows influences from MMA and pro wrestling. So we're gonna do that by we're gonna be doing that. Uh, probably we recorded it Wednesday. Actually, we recorded that Tuesday. So the show is fully edited, and for those of you that have the MTR app, you'll be able to check that out now. If for some reason you don't get it, let me know because I know that the updates, the uploads to the to the app have been a little funky as of late. So we're going to try and get that taken care of. Nonetheless, that's going to be exclusive for app owners for the next five to seven days. After that, we're going to release it publicly to everybody else. And you guys will be able to check that out. If you want to get better acquainted, make sure to check out Roxer.com, W-R-O-X-E-R.com. Also, become a fan of their work on Facebook, very talented guys, 
and a lot of interesting insight was given into the people involved with the cartoon, including some wrestlers that are lending their vocal talents, a couple of surprising names associated with that. So that interview is going to be live, most likely. Uh, if it's not live already, it should be live within the next 24 hours. Whew, there we go. That was a lot of stuff I had to get out of the way. All right, so before we get into talking about UFC 151, I want to get into the other MMA news that went down this week. So let's just jump right into it. My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite fighter shirts, rash guards, kick pads, and all your other MMA gear at MMAWarehouse.com. All right, we got some some decent news that broke this week besides the craziness of UFC 151 that went down this week. I really didn't want to downplay some of the other news that went down because they're all things that are going to affect not only the rest of the year, but also some potential future matchups as well. First up, MMA Junkie reported that Roger Hollett suffered an injury in training, and he is actually out of UFC 152, and he was supposed to be meeting Matt Hamill, who is coming out of retirement to fight. Hamill will now face Vladimir Matyshenko, so he's going to be catching up. He's got, The janitor will be fighting Matt Hamill at UFC 152 at September on September 22nd. Of course, joining that card now is going to be John Jones and Lyoto Machida, which Ben is going to address. Other fights on that card, uh, Joe Benavides, uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson for the flyweight title. I'm actually looking forward to that fight. Both of those guys can go in there and deliver, so I know the fight's going to be exciting. Michael Bisping and Brian Stan has definite title implications. Obviously, um, Bisping going in there, trying to get a shot at Anderson Silva, Brian Stan coming off uh, a, that loss to Chael Sonnen. A lot of stuff is being talked about regarding this fight because some people are looking at it from a contendership standpoint. Other people are just looking at it as potential guys that should Anderson Silva, which I doubt, vacate the belt, may be involved in a possible tournament to uh, crown a new champion. I doubt, I doubt that's going to be the case. I think Anderson Silva really likes being the kingpin in that division, so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe we'll get that super fight, but that's something that possibly I will discuss with Ben as well. Also on that card, Evan Dunham taking on TJ Grant, Charles Oliveira and Cub Swanson. Vinny Magalhaes makes his return to the UFC, taking on Igor Porkryats. Um Marcus Brimage is taking on Jim Hetz. Seth Bozinski's on that card as well. I think 152... With, with all the crazy stuff that happened for 151, is definitely going to be watched with much interest. Obviously, like I've said, people are very torn about the John Jones situation. Uh, Dana White's pretty much public dismantling of his number one fighter. His cash cow is, um, is very, very crazy as well. So I think 152, besides it having all these fights, is going to be incredibly stacked and... I think that people that get to access the prelims and order the pay-per-view are hopefully in store for some great fights. We'll see what happens September 22nd. Another fight that recently came together was Joe Lazan and Gray Maynard. That's going to be happening at UFC 155, December 29th in Vegas. I think this is a great fight. Joe Lazan goes out there and puts on exciting fights. 
And I think of uh, matching up with Gray Maynard, those guys are definitely going to deliver a solid fight. Maybe even a fight of the night based on Joe Lazan's past performances. I think with the whole lightweight title situation kind of cleared up and Frankie Edgar moving down in weight, which I'll discuss later on in the segment, I think that this opens up a lot of possibilities as well. Obviously, you got Nate Diaz getting that title shot going in there to take on Ben Henderson, which is going to be a great fight. But who knows? Maybe Joe Lazan with this victory, he may get it. He may get up there one step closer to challenging for that belt at 155. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, originally, um, that card was that fight was something where we talked about it a couple of months back on a previous episode. On a previous episode, and I believe it was during an MMA panel that it might have been Gary that said that that would be a good fight to see. So nice to see it coming together finally. And like I said, I think they are going to deliver. In some other news, K1 signed a a brand new deal to start airing cards on Spike TV. Spike TV officials announced that the kickboxing promotion will stream four events on Spike.com and then several shows will be airing on Spike TV next year. Of course, K1 is a 19-year-old organization that has been host to several MMA fighters, including Alistair Overeem, Mark Hunt, and the first show on Spike.com will be the K1 Rising Heavyweight Grand Prix on September 8th. On September 8th, excuse me. Here's the here's the thing with K1 and kickboxing in general. People tend to sit there and they downplay the fact that K1 just doesn't... Not that it doesn't deliver, but that it has that, that we, really weird fan base where the people kind of migrated to MMA from K1. I'll be 100% honest with you. I didn't start getting into kickboxing until... We got HDNet on Fios, and I started being able to watch that more. I mean, I saw some stuff on YouTube, and I caught a couple of things online, but at the recommendation of a lot of uh, fellow MMA broadcasters and vloggers like Bloodstain Lane, I really got into K1 and kickboxing in general, and I really enjoy watching those fights. There's some great talents in K1, uh, and, and in kickboxing in general, Badahari, uh, Melvin Manoff, Ray Seffo when he's fought, Alistair Overeem, of course. Uh, Mirko Krokop came out of there. Just uh, so many great, great fighters currently and in the past as well. It's worth checking out. So when it does air on Spike TV, we're going to be trying to cover it as best as we can while I start getting familiar with all of the fighters in, in kickboxing because there there's so many other promotions. There was It's Showtime. Uh, you had the Glory World Series. You have, K, you have K1. There's so many different promotions putting stuff out that it's definitely going to be interesting and you're going to watch just my knowledge on the sport grow as well when we start talking about it on air going forward of course with the strike force event this past weekend you know we know that ronda rousey retained her belt let's not kid ourselves chris cyborg got called out right after that fight with ronda and Obviously, Ronda makes a valid point in the sense that she's the champion. She shouldn't have to go up and wait to fight Cyborg. Cyborg should come down to 135 and fight her. And a case can be made on Cyborg's part that she said, you were fighting at 145, you competed in the Olympics at 145, come up to my to my weight class and we'll fight. I will say this, the champion really does have the ball in their court in this particular situation. Even though Cyborg is saying that it's it's not healthy for her to cut down to 135. I think that Cyborg being very muscular, you know, we've already seen that she got popped for doing steroids and 
make of that what you will. But the fact still remains that Cyborg, honestly, is going to make one of the most exciting fights for Rousey. The only other fight that I can see maybe would be a Misha Tate rematch, or maybe we'll get a um, a fight with, uh, you know, maybe you'll convince Gina Carano to come out of retirement and fight Rousey. But the thing is that with women's MMA, and, we, and we've talked about this a lot of times, there, there's still a, a growth period. It's still in its infancy. you got a lot of great, talented ladies, but they're spread out across different promotions. I mean, Invicta's doing a tremendous job promoting female mixed martial arts, and Strike Force has a couple of, of great talents in there. I mean, besides the Kaufman and Rousey fight, you had Julie Kedzie and Misha Tate that delivered an amazing fight on the undercard as well. I really enjoyed that fight, so... I think there's a couple of good fights in Ronda's future, but you're going to really need to grow that that aspect of the sport a little bit more. Obviously, the Chris Cyborg fight is is huge, and it would be it would be tremendous for the sport of mixed martial arts. But again, you're you're in a very unique situation where your most dominant striker wants to fight at a weight that she's comfortable at, while the champion wants to maintain that she'll fight in the current weight class she's in. I think in some in some aspects of that, it's unfair that Rousey would have to come up to fight Cyborg when Cyborg wants to uh, wants a crack at the belt. Obviously, we joke around. I said um, I've said a couple of times, you know, Cyborg's gonna have to remove her uterus to come down to 135. I mean, she's very large, very muscular, and honestly, I feel that. And I, you know, I, in high school, I knew a couple of guys that juiced, and when I got older, I knew a couple of guys that juiced, and when they came off cycle, they definitely shrunk. Uh, substantially in some cases, some guys more than others because of water weight. I think that in Cyborg's case, you know, say she's off cycle now and not not doing the roids of any type or supplementing uh, with any substances that are considered illegal in mixed martial arts, I think she can make that 135. I, I really think she can. I mean, she says that doctors are telling her that she can't, but I'm also looking at it from the standpoint that doctors are telling her she can't because she's so muscular. I mean, she says she has 8% body fat, when she's weighing in at 145, uh, again, 8% body fat at 145, you got to have help. You have to have help. Like, you know, I've I've been a weightlifter uh, since I was 14. I, I did powerlifting in high school, and, you know, I we knew a couple of guys that used stuff. I remember that when, when I was competing in powerlifting, the whole Andro debate happened with Mark McGuire, and, and creatine was a really big thing that was going on. Um creatine especially because it was making you stronger but you were also retaining a lot of water weight this falls under what i like to call the category of bro science we all joke about it and it's joked about uh quite a bit in you know it's joked about quite a bit in other circles and and it's stuff like that where you just experiment on your body and you guinea pig yourself with all this stuff when when you're dealing with things like football baseball nfl mlb stuff like that you really have to, and we've discussed this at length, be be really, really aware of what kind of shit you're putting in your body. If this chick is using steroids and and she was jacked to the gills, you're basically going in there and fighting a man. It, it's fucked up to say because people joke about it all the time, but you're going in there and fighting a dude that is, you know, you're going in there to fight a, a, a chick that's basically a dude at that point because she's juicing and she really did overpower a lot of these a lot of these fighters that she fought and whether she was juicing only for the one fight or she was juicing before and finally got caught it's it's not a good look 
I think at this point, Rousey should consider staying at 135, handling her business, and let let Cyborg figure out a way to do it. I honestly think with the right payday, coming down to 135 shouldn't be that bad. Again, you know, Slick is doing the, the math in there. Slick says in the chat, if she is truly 8% body fat, then going down to 135 would be an unhealthy. 8% of 145 is less than 12 pounds. Uh, and, you know, he did the math. He said it, it, it comes out to 11.6. So she'd have to drop, you know, 11 pounds, 11, 11 and a half pounds to make the weight. Again, taking into consideration what I've known from, you know, people that supplement and, and use legal and illegal stuff, if she really is off cycle, she should be able to come down to that weight. I really think she could. But until then... I just wanted to acknowledge one particular statement that she made and um, make of it what you will. She says, I get many questions about Ronda Rousey and I would like to set the record straight for the last time as I, as I do not consider her much personally, much less as a fighter. She claims she is the champion and openly challenges me to fight at 135, which I find laughable. She competed in the Beijing Olympics at 154 pounds and fought at 145 in MMA until she learned she would have to fight me and then drop to 135. I never fought below 145, and I am considered the pound-for-pound top woman fighter in the world. I have yet to lose a fight while holding the Strikeforce 145-pound title. My last fight was considered a no contest, but that has not changed the fact that I am the woman's 145-pound champion. Now, absorb that for a minute and think about this. You, you are in a division of 145ers. And you got caught juicing as the champion. There weren't that many people fighting at 145 to begin with. So, if there weren't that many people fighting at 145, your fight got ruled a no contest, and the other fighters either went down to 135 or or they left the organization, whatever the case may be, why are you trying to make it seem like your division is relevant? Let's not fucking kid ourselves. You were 145, and the people, you know, you fought... You fought a couple of great fighters at 145. But, let's be real. Most of them either left or they came down to 135. Ben said it himself. There never really was a 145-pound division. Ben is in the chat, you know, holding court in there, holding it down. And the fact is, it's true. The 145 division wasn't really that serious. Stop stop fucking lollygagging and, and, and jumping around all these facts. Oh, yeah, she competed in the Olympics at 154. Yeah, and she fought at 145. But guess what? She cut and she fought at 135. Make that shit happen. You want the belt? Let's make it happen. Simple as that. I really, I, I as much as I would love to see the fight, if there's this much drama trying to even make it happen, leave the shit alone. Seriously. Because at this point, something's going to go wrong Either she's going to get popped or she's going to come in overweight for the fight. And then, you know, maybe she comes in overweight. Rousey still takes the fight. She loses the belt. Now, all of a sudden, it's, you know, oh, I lost the belt because, you know, she was overweight and this, that, and a third. And before it even gets to that, let's let's just not do it. Let's not do it till she could come down to 145. I mean, to 135. Now, obviously, there's a debate in the chat. Uh, Rousey feels that. Uh, De Silva feels that Rousey could take Cyborg's arm home with her. And to a degree, maybe, yes. But you also have to take into consideration that Cyborg's striking pedigree is fucking phenomenal. And 
Rousey's stand-up is, is definitely questionable. I mean, she came in really good in the Sarah Kaufman fight. She weathered the storm, came in with some strikes to set up the takedown. But Cyborg's striking is on a whole other planet. You know, this is this is Shootbox Academy, Vanderlei Silva violence coming at you. Simple as that. Unless the fight goes to the ground or, you know... Rousey's able to grab a wrist and control the fight from that standpoint to take it to the ground. She cannot go in there and stand and trade with her. It's not fucking happening. It's impossible. I'm sorry. It's one of those things where we can sit here and play, you know, the armchair analyst and talk about, oh, yeah, well, you know, if, if I was looking at the fight this way, this is how I think it would go. But let's face facts. Regardless of whether she's juicing, not juicing, has a dick, doesn't have a dick, um, drinks horse semen, whatever the case may be, she is coming in there ready to bang on the stand-up. Rousey, sure, can get it to the ground and, and definitely lock in a submission, but we cannot forget the fact that Cyborg is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist as well. She doesn't use the ground game, but she has it. She has it. She does have the BJJ background to hold her own. She hasn't been tested on the ground. So, again, that's an open that's an open to interpretation debate as well. But the fact is, standing is all cyborg. Especially if she catches her in that Muay Thai clinch, it, it's not happening. And I think she, like I said, I really do think she can make 135. Unless there's like a legit doctor that, that puts out a legit report that says it. Not the Alistair Overeem doctor. I'm talking about a legit doctor. That says, listen, this chick's at 8% body fat now, today, on August 23rd. She can't do it. Otherwise, I don't, don't, don't go there. Don't. Because like I said, she's going to come in overweight for the fight, put back Rousey into a corner, Rousey's going to want the fight, and that's it. Seriously. And before anybody gets their panties in a bunch, oh, you know about Overeem's doctor, look, Alistair Overeem, I'm a huge fan of his... And whatever, people people feel his, his attributes are questionable based on horse meat, not horse meat, steroids, not steroids, testosterone, whatever the case may be. But I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of his as a fighter. Simple as that. But the doctor that did defend him really went in there with some crazy shit. Like, hey, did you know testosterone may have been in what you injected him with? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. It's like, what the fuck, Dr. Doolittle? You don't know what the fuck you're injecting your, your patients with? That That's, again, that's another story in itself. But let's be real. Come down to 135 and let's see. Otherwise, it's just going to be all talk, clouding up the fucking airwaves, clouding up people's Twitters, and it's not going to happen. Let's move the fuck on, folks. Also, did want to talk about Miguel Torres, who it seems was released by the UFC. He made the announcement Tuesday night. But he has signed with Titan Fighting Championships. He'll be debuting on Titan FC November 2nd in Hammond, Indiana. If you guys remember, initially Torres was first cut by the UFC for making a controversial rape joke on Twitter. And we know what happens there. So, um, it's a shame. I like Torres. Torres is a, is a good fighter and I'm sure he'll be back. So, you know, I think I think Titan FC got themselves a... Uh, a really good deal bringing him in, and we're going to see some exciting fights. Maybe he'll make his way back. Who knows? Well, it's a little past 11.30. I'm going to bring 
Ben in, and we're going to just cover the MMA news before uh, we excuse me before we get into this 151 discussion, and we'll take it from there. What's going on, Ben? Welcome back. What's up, man? Dude, it's like you came last week. You killed the guys from the guys from Fight Insight. Actually, were talking about you on their show earlier this evening. So props to them. Uh, they were talking about how they had a blast chilling with us and you know saying that you knew your shit. So figured I'd let you know that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, dudes, dudes were really pumped. Yeah, they um they they mentioned it on, on air. They gave us a plug um, earlier this evening when they wrapped up their show. Now. Obviously, you, we, you know, we know that Rousey came in there this past Saturday and handled her business, but let, let's, let, let's get your take on air about, about this cyborg situation because it, it's really getting out of hand. It's like, yo, I understand that the fight should happen, but if it medically can't, why are you talking shit? I don't think it medically can't happen. I think... Well, according to her, it can't. According to Cyborg, it can't. You know, according to her doctor, you know, she's at eight percent body fat at one forty-five. Again, allegedly. So that's where that's where I'm I'm well, basing that. Some doctor gave her Winstraw. I mean, according <laughs> to her, some doctor gave her Winstraw, which she got popped for. So, I mean, basically, I doubt she wants to cut it. Like cutting weight is not fun. Nope. Like I, I doubt she wants to cut the extra ten pounds. But that being said, her saying, like, I'm waiting for my release from uh, Strike Force, where are you going? Invicta? That's about it. I mean, there's, there's no else she's going to be fighting. There's, there's really not a market, excuse me, outside of Strike Force and Invicta for women's MMA. Invicta doesn't have a 145 division. Strike Force never really had a 145 division. Neither, neither organization has one because there's, like, one chick that's fighting in 145. And then you got Jan City getting nearly beat to death, and like these other random chicks. Like they all drop down to 135. Cyborg needs to drop to 135 because that's her biggest payday. Period. Like she's not going to get a bigger payday anywhere else. Well, let's let's look at it like this. And we've talked about this with established fighters, and you and I have talked about this off air. You know, we look at guys like Anderson Silva, John Jones, GSP, guys that have cemented their legacy, and they're at the point. And, and, you know, we've talked about this with, with Anderson Silva being a prime example where these guys want money fights. They, they want the big paydays. They want the fights that, you know, half the world is going to be glued to that television to watch. And honestly, the Cyborg-Rousey fight has the, the makings of that, of that type of a fight. The only issue with that, in my opinion, is Cyborg's questionable, you know, health reasoning as to not fighting at 135. And... The, again, this lends validity to what I said before. Where it's like, yo, if I got the belt, I make the fucking rules here. Simple as that. There, there's no, there's no other kind of logic. I got the belt. You want my belt? Let's make it happen. Am I wrong? That actually plays in the thing I'm going to say later on. But it's, it's. I don't understand why Cyborg thinks she has leverage. She the doesn't. Leverage she had. <laughs> she lost when she got popped. Bingo. She had all sorts of leverage before she got popped. Now you don't have a belt, you don't have a division, and the only real fight for you is 10 pounds down. She can cut 10 pounds. I highly doubt it's impossible for her to cut those 10 pounds. If at least do a test cut, she can change her diet, something. She gets off steroids. Well, 
her steroids one straw is really to cut weight yep. and not lose muscle. Right. But there's a way it can be done. Her well, acting like, oh, there's no way at all, humanly possible, I can lose these ten pounds is absolutely ridiculous. Let me let let me pull a little a little bit of personal health and, and bro science into this. When when I was younger, I got I think up to about almost two forty five when I was like powerlifting heavy. The, this consisted of eating whole chickens for lunch, steak, a gallon of milk, a, you know, a gallon of milk a day. Just 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 eating to the point where I was consuming huge amounts of protein and minimal amounts of of vegetable and starches. And I got I, I got very big very quick. As as I got older, you know, I changed my diet and as I changed my diet, you know, the the pounds of muscle came down. And that that's exactly what it is like you said it, it it's an alteration of diet but it also goes into the fact that if you if you juiced to maintain whatever musculature you had clearly if you're not using winstrol and you're doing cardio and you're eating and you alter your diet you're going to lose muscle mass that's fact so i don't i don't i don't, I don't get the logic where oh you know I, I'm eight percent. It's like, yeah, you're eight percent because you got, you know, all out of 145 pounds, you know, you got 30 pounds of muscle on you when you shouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's, and I, I know she'll never admit this. Not so much fear, but because she's never been the 135, I don't know if she thinks her power will translate at 135. Like, I, I don't think she thinks. Because what she did was overpower people. There wasn't a whole lot of technique to what she did. She was overpowering you. And I don't think she thinks that her power is going to translate the same off Winstrel and at 135. Yeah, but let's look so at... I don't, I don't think... Go ahead. But... No, I'm done. I'm done. No, no, what I was going to say is, but let's look at this, too. You have you have elite, you know, Vanderlei Silva-style violent striking. You you connect with people's faces, they go down. Facts are facts. Vanderlei Silva is a good example. He fought hard in every weight divi- weight class he's in, and he's gone up in weight, he's gone down in weight, and he maintains his power. And yeah, you can make the case that it's it's based on gender and et cetera, et cetera. But if you're a good fighter and you train hard, cutting weight shouldn't be an issue. Nah. You know, it's like go on the fucking do- go on the Dolce diet. I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, you go on a fucking Dolce diet, she will come in at 135 on the nose. You know who she doesn't want to. Exactly. That's what it all comes down to. She really doesn't want to cut it. Well, you know, you know who used to get, who they kind of used to let her get away with that? Gina Carano. Remember all the times Gina would come in, she'd be slightly over, and it's like, oh, gonna get naked. Get on that scale, butt-ass naked. The entire, the entire press row had a fucking chubby when she was standing there behind that towel praying to God that a breeze would blow it out of the way. And she had issues with weight. If somebody said, yo, Gina can't fight at 135, I'll buy that. Because she can't, you know? Like, like she's, a, she's a chick that can't fight at 135 unless she, she made some huge sacrifices. But it wasn't like Gina Carano was super muscular to begin with. You see what I'm saying? She was just a, 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 a larger girl, bigger frame, you know, top-heavy. And, and that was a factor. It wasn't like she was she was super jacked up. 
She looked like a regular chick that walked down the street. You know, you'd break your neck trying to check her out. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 it's just, it, this old thing is coming off to me as Cyborg really has no desire to fight around the route. Like, I, I think she just doesn't want the fight. Like, I don't... I she For her to be like, well, you have to come up to my division. For what? You don't have a division. Yep. I don't even... There's nobody else there. Your non-existent division. Come on, son. <laughs> yeah, like, there's... there's, there's Force barely has a 135 women's division. Like, I think there's, like, four fighters in it, and we saw all four last Saturday. So, like... They barely have women's divisions as it is. There's no reason for her to jump up just to appease someone who has no leverage. Yep. And 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 before and before anybody throws it out there, get fuck out of here with catch weight. Not doing catch weight either. Fuck out of here. I'm the champ at 135. 135. <laughs> you know, I'll give you the one pound. I'll give you the one pound. I'll give you 136. Hey, that's still making weight. She's coming at 136, but she, she only wants to do that. She, she wants to fight at 145. I don't know where she's planning on fighting, except in Big Ten. Big Ten really doesn't have a 145 division, so I don't know where she's fighting. Well, while we're on the well, she's well, well, we're, while we're on the subject of strike force, before Lewis calls in, I figure we'll go through some of the other fights. Uh, Misha Tate, Julie Kedzie surprised the shit out of me. One, because Julie Kedzie came in there ready to throw down. She was not playing. But also because Misha Tate got her victory via armbar. <laughs> I was quite I was quite that impressed. Was, that was a great fight. Oh, amazing from start to finish. It was beautiful. Yeah. And, of course... Uh, that, was a, that was a really, really good fight, though. Well, you know what the problem that, that bothered me with it was? That we didn't see it on the main card. Like not for nothing, Misha Tate was a was a former champ. Why wasn't that fight on the main card? I have no idea. I don't know why Lamumba Sayers and I think Anthony Smith were the main card fight. Like Strike Force, besides the fact that it probably shouldn't exist anymore, I don't know what <laughs> they think when they make cards because Lamumba Sayers and I think uh, Anthony Smith that shouldn't have been a main card. Hell, Owen Saint Paul, well, maybe because Owen Saint Paul fight was pretty awesome, but. <laughs> Outside of that, I mean, that fight over the Lamumba Sayers fight should have been on the main card. I don't understand why you didn't put that as a starting um, fight on your main card. I, I don't understand why you don't put your former champion on on your main card. So, yeah, I don't. It, the The other thing was, uh, and it's true. I mean, it, the the Lamumba Sayers fight definitely kind of came out of nowhere. The OSP fight with TJ Cook, I, I like OSP. He's a great he's a great prospect. Kind of torn on on whether that fight was there, but damn, may, maybe it wasn't so bad considering he handled that business at twenty seconds in the third round. That was ridiculous. Straight left that dude. He straight left him. Uh, that fight, I, first of all, it shouldn't have been that close. He, he was beating him down in the first round. OSP's problem is, first of all, I don't think he'll ever be a champion. Cause I think he when when Strikeforce finally dies. I think he'll be able to make it in the UFC, win some fights, but he'll lose some fights too. Because what happens with him is he has these huge spurts of really violent offense. Then he gets tired. Yep. Then he gets hit a lot. Like, that ain't going to work against some of the, the, the fighters in the UFC. That's that's not going to work. Strikeforce is trying to build him as their John Jones, but you don't see John Jones getting hit in the face like that. That, that don't happen. Like, 
he's he's got defensive liabilities. So I I think he's a good prospect, but unless he you know shares up getting hit in the face over and over, he's gonna have some issues. The the one fight that I that kind of I expected it to end violently was the Tarek Safadine Roger Bowling fight. I mean Roger Bowling rarely disappoints. And Safadine usually likes to go in there and really trade. I was surprised it went the distance. Yeah, um it, it was it was an okay fight, but uh it surprised me a bit it went to the distance too, but um I heard Safadine now is gonna probably fight Nate Marquardt uh for their one seventy title. Uh which actually is the only title they have with there's options <laughs> because they, they have uh Masaki they have uh, Jorge Santiago they just signed. They have uh, Safadine. They have they have quite a few options for that. So, um, you know, I'm 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 interested in his next fight against Marco. Uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. All right. Well, I just got word that Lewis is in. Let me bring him in, and uh, we could talk a little bit about the strike for wrap up the strike force card, and then get into this 151 business. Okay. Lewis. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, brother? Thanks for taking the time out to uh, come on air with us and shoot the shit. Uh, of course, for those of you that don't know, Lewis is the host of the Hammer Fisting podcast. You can catch it on Stitcher. You can also go to hammerfisting.com. Look for them also on Facebook. I link to them on the site. So what's up, Lewis, man? Thanks for taking the time out. Of course, UFC 151, ton of crazy shit went down today. We're actually breaking down the Strike Force card a little bit. So um, before we go into 151, what'd you think of the Strike Force card this weekend? You know, I mean, I, 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 I said this on my podcast. I didn't watch anything but the fucking chick fights that I cared about. I watched the Ronda Rousey fight. I watched the Misha Tate fight. That's all that's interesting in Strike Force. It's uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I get that there's some talented dudes there. But we're talking about the most talented women in the world versus uh, a bunch of guys that are guys that can't get into the UFC. I get there's a few guys that they need to keep in strike force, like Melendez and fucking Cormier. There's certain guys that are there right now for different reasons. But in general, if you're in strike force, it's because you're not good enough to cut it in the UFC. That's the truth. But these women, they have nowhere else to go. Nobody's fucking going to Invicta or any Japanese fucking Asian MMA promotion. So, um... Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the car. But, you know, whatever. Ronda Rousey, God bless her. She did great. You know, I think she's kind of a, uh, she's kind of a, a bitchy attitude in life. Uh, I don't think her as, like, a, a personality, but she's a great fighter. She's an Olympian. And Misha Tate showed a lot of fucking heart. That was one of the fights of the year, period. So um, that's kind of my take on that. Well, you know, it was funny. I was I actually caught most of the episode with uh, the MMA nerd, and um, you, you guys are fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> Rampage killing babies. That's all I gotta say. I almost fucking, I almost wrapped yeah, my car know. around a pole with that shit. <laughs> yeah, we we try to uh, we pride ourselves in the fact that we don't do your typical fucking MMA show. We come out and we we're look. Most of us are comedians that are on that show. We all we all do stand up. We're all sick fucks. We all like to to just talk shit and have a good time. We bust balls. So um. You know, it's not your, it's not Ariel Hawani, it's not fucking one of these other radio shows where you're just going to get, uh, you know, a censored opinion. We're fans of the sport. We don't make any fucking money off that show, really. We make a little bit of money off sponsors, but we put in more than we take out. So I feel like we have every right to kind of give our opinions and be jerk-offs when we want to be jerk-offs. Hey, man, I, w- I welcome that. That's why I said I got to bring him on so we could uh, talk about this. And, um, you know, I got 
Ben on on the line. Ben writes for us. Ben Lewis, Lewis Ben. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? What's going on, kid? Are you the one who's talking shit about Dana White? The player <laughs> that I meant to talk shit to that I, I ended up talking shit to my fucking man. Yeah, Ben. So ben you, was not happy. What, what? How are you? How are you unhappy with Dana White? What did Dana White do except for come out and be a real motherfucker? Be completely unprofessional. Hey, <laughs> not be a real commissioner of a so-called sport. Hey, hey, look, I'm not. Because it's, go ahead, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. Well, I do air quotes when I say so-called sport because if this was a real sport, um, Chelsea Sunning wouldn't have got a title shot. Leo uh, Machida wouldn't get a title shot. If this was a real sport, John Jones saying, hey, on eight weeks' notice, I don't want to fight a dude that's a completely different style than the dude I'm fighting. Shouldn't ruin the entire card. The fault of this card being shut down wasn't John Jones's. And what bothered me about what Dana White did it wasn't so much that he was upset. It was the way he laid it all at the feet of John Jones. Like, it's his fault that the UFC has now become oversaturated, had a bullshit card that could have been a fuel card, and then because your main event goes away, you can't just move the co-main up because it's a bullshit co-main. This is a fuel card without John Jones. So for them to, for Dana White to come at John Jones, like, this is your fault. This is your fault that I can pay. It's actually your fault for being overextending your, your product, putting on way too many cards, not having enough fighters to fill your cards, and also expecting athletes to bend to your whims when you really, these are independent contractors. They don't work necessarily for the UFC. The UFC promotes their fights. John Jones is an independent well, that's not, well, that's, that's not, well, I, I disagree with that right there. The, John Jones is not well, an independent contractor. He is an independent contractor, though. He is an independent, like he's, he's an independent, like, like in the WWE, they're independent contractors. They're, they're considered independent contractors. They're not considered employees of the UFC. And also, he's a champion. He's your, he is the only MMA fighter to ever be sponsored. Well, and Silver is, but the only only MMA fighter to be sponsored in the way he's sponsored in a global deal. For you to come, there was so many better ways for him to come at that than to assault John Jones and Greg Jackson and come off as a petulant child. Like, he, he came off butthurt that his champion wasn't bending to his whims. Like, it's not John Jones' job to feed these other fighters. That's not how this works. If, if, this is, if that's how it's supposed to work, then they should have a union, but they don't. It's not John Jones' job to feed these other dudes. So, for him so let me, to let me that, tell you something. Isn't, isn't, I mean, isn't that the reason we love Dana White? Isn't it because... Dana White was as hard in his fucking sleeve. Isn't it the reason that we all got mad two weeks ago when Dana White and didn't come out and, and, and say that Ben Henderson lost that fucking fight? Didn't we all get up in arms about how Dana White usually is that fucking real motherfucker who will just come out and say it like it is? Let me tell you something. Dana White came out. He was pissed off. Dana White is a part owner in this fucking company. He's not just some dude who gets a fucking paycheck, dude. He, feel, he feels it when the company takes a hit. They're going to lose millions and millions of fucking dollars. There's 16 fighters on this fucking card that their family took off of work. They're flying out to come and see this fight in Vegas. They have people watching at home on Facebook. This is a big fucking moment to shine because John Jones doesn't fight. He chose not to fucking fight 
a dude who's 185 pounds who's going to come in out of shape that he could probably easily beat. But he wants to be a prima donna and not fucking fight. And it's unprecedented. We saw Tito Ortiz fight Patrick Hey, Who, hold on, who hold else on. has turned... What what champion has ever turned Tito out a fight? Tito Ortiz turned out fights. Tito Ortiz turned out fights. Took the belt. As a champion? Tito Ortiz went around saying he wasn't going to fight Chuck Liddell for years. Chuck Liddell wouldn't fight uh, Vanderlei Silva in Pride because they wanted to put on a super fight. That was supposed to happen. He wouldn't fight him well, in Pride. Look, there have been okay. multiple fighters, multiple champions that have said, I'm not fighting this time. The only difference between this and that, or those and this, is um, that it became a big deal because Dana White out of no came to John Jones and asked. Like, if Dana White had been like, look, if, if this was if this was what Dana White wants it to be, he would have came up to John Jones and said, you're fighting until something in eight weeks. But, eight first days. of all, it makes no sense. Eight days, huh? eight days. Eight, no, days, eight, eight days. It makes no sense for him to take this fight. Period. Chelsea hasn't earned this fight. Period. He lost his last fight. Second of all, if he... Well, if hold on. This, this hold on. Not to... Hold on a second, but, but before before I get Lewis get get in on this, I do I do got to say this: John Jones got his belt because Shogun courteously decided to defend it against him. The same could have been said when Shogun had the belt and Rashad went out. Shogun could have turned around and be like, "Yo, I'm not of fighting course. this dude. I'm not Reiki. I'm not fighting this rookie dude that you know he's got three or co- three or four. He could have, but he didn't. But he did. Hold on, hold on. He did the right thing for the business. You see what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong. John Jones is the face of the organization sponsored by Nike. The motherfucker is getting paid. But you also got to look at the fact that you got your opportunity because someone extended you that courtesy. It's also about paying the shit forward. Like, to, to give weight to what Lewis said, you know, Chael Sonnen probably would have came in there out of shape and gotten fucking choked out in the first round. But you know what? More people would have tuned in to see that and, and, people, and people that were on the undercard would have got paid. On the flip side, to give merit to what you say, you know, yeah, Dana White went ham today. He went fucking crazy. My ears were ringing after that call was over because he was really tight. But when you got money in this business, it's like it's like you and I. You write for the site. If I, if I tell you, hey, Ben, I need you to write on this, and you bail out, I'm going to be upset. Maybe I'll come on air and be upset. Maybe I won't. I could, should I handle it differently? No. I mean, I understand both sides of the, of the argument, but... John Jones got his belt because of a courtesy. You get what I'm saying? And beyond that, like, look, as, as a fan of the sport, dude, and we're fucking fans. That's what we are, okay? Like, we yep. can call this and radio guys all we want to pretend to be, but we're fucking playing house, dude. We're fucking fans. We, yep. That's what we are, all right? Don't you want your fucking champion to come out and go, I will fight anybody, anywhere, at any time. And you know what? That's what Chael Sonnen is fucking doing. That's what 99% false. of the other false. fucking dudes exactly come out and say that. Hold on. That, that about Chael Sonnen is false. See, the thing with Chael Sonnen is... The, Chell Sonnen is an opportunist. Chell Sonnen is like, oh, I'll fight in eight weeks. Chell Sonnen only... Eight days. Chell Sonnen's goal. He doesn't think he... Huh? Eight days. <laughs> eight days, eight, eight days. days. <laughs> eight days, eight days. Chell Sonnen in no way, shape, or form believes he's going to win this fight. It's not like I'm going to fight anybody anytime and think I'm going to win. Chell Sonnen didn't think he was going to win this fight. Chell Sonnen's whole goal was to get Chell Sonnen's name out there. See, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most is not that John Jones is turn out a fight it's the, the, the card got canceled and it's getting blamed on the wrong person the wrong people the card got canceled because of the UFC 
not because of John Jones. The fact that one fighter can say, I'm not going to fight because I'm obligated to fight. As much as you want to say that John Jones is in, you know, he's a, people are saying this, he's a businessman, he's trying to be smart. Look, I fucking get it. But the UFC are businessmen. They, here's the thing, when you have John Jones on a fucking card against Dan Henderson, who's a fucking legend, you don't need to build up a card around them. You have that fucking fight. You know what I'm saying? And when you have a champion who's supposed to be the t- number one pound-for-pound guy in the world, you should be able to depend on him. If somebody gets fucking injured, dude, let me tell you something, if, if John Jones would have gotten injured, and anybody would have stepped in against Dan Henderson, Dan Henderson would have fucking taken that fight with a smile on his face because he's a fucking fighter, dude. You know what I'm saying? I get where you're upset with the UFC. The UFC, I'm with you, dude. They oversaturate. There's too many fucking cards right now. There's too many no-name fighters out there. I'm with you. But do not blame this on them. They're businessmen. They really, they don't need to pay. John Jones is getting 80% of the fucking purse on the entire fucking card. You know what I'm saying? They, they know what they're doing. I'm not going to hate on the UFC. John Jones looks like a fucking bitch, dude. You know what I'm saying? That's just the truth. John Jones you- has literally destroyed men in the octagon. Everyone he's gotten a cage with has been destroyed. And he's not just beating people. Do you want to see Shulman get beat to death? Like, literally beat to death? Like, do you want to see that? Well, because John Jones did it. Like, the, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. John Jones fucking week and a half ago was talking about how he didn't want to fight Shogun. That he, uh, was his lowest uh, Leoto, PWF. Leoto, and he didn't uh, uh, have to fight Leoto. Leoto. This is not a real Hold on, let him finish, Ben. Let him finish, Ben. You know, he's the number one hitter. He should have to fight Leonardo. You know what I'm saying? That's it. You're the number one hitter. You're a fucking boss. We've been riding in sales my whole fucking life, dude. You're an independent contractor. You should have to tell that man. You still have a boss to answer to. You're walking with your dick in the air. Like, oh, I'm my own boss. That's not the way it works, dude. When you're an independent contractor and you work for somebody, there's always somebody to answer to. And John Jones shouldn't come out as a champion and say, I don't want to fight him because it's not enough pay-per-view dollars. Oh, fuck yourself, dude. You'll make it off pay-per-view dollars by beating everybody they fucking put in front of you. That's the way you fucking do it. And now that he's picking and choosing fights, his stock goes way down, in my opinion. And let me tell he you, never said he wouldn't fight Leota, though. He, he never said. He said he would prefer Leota. If Leota, hold on, Leota hold on. Now. He never said he wasn't going to fight Leota. Hold on. He said he didn't want to. He said well, he didn't want to. Well, he came yeah, out very clearly. Him now. John Jones said, yeah. I don't want to fight him. I don't want to fight Lyoto. It's a, a tricky fight. It's a it's a low it's a high risk fight with low payoff. I don't want to do it. All I'm saying, dude, is fight who they put in front of you. That's what I want out of my fucking UFC champion. I don't want some guy who's saying, I don't want to fight this guy for this reason. I don't want to fight this guy for this reason. No, what are you crazy to do? Everyone wants to see Chael Sonnen fight that fight. And also, let me tell you something. Chael Sonnen has so much more to risk coming into this fight, dude. He's, he's literally, John Jones is twice as big as Chael Sonnen. He's been fighting for a dude who is better at the style that Chael Sonnen excels at. Dan Henderson's an Olympic caliber wrestler with unbelievable knockout power. Chael Sonnen is not as good of a wrestler or is not as good of a striker. So it's not, dude, John Jones had an easy fucking win here, and because he's protecting his fucking title, and he's protecting that fucking chin, he's fucking bitching out, and he looks like a pussy. Protecting uh, Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. The reason I have a problem with what you... Hold on, look, hold on a second. Let me, let me just kind of rein things in, because we all getting ham right now. We all getting hype, and yeah. got, looking at it like this... Lewis has a point in the sense that as fans, we have expectations that that have to be met. 
And a champion is a champion. And if you look, and this is the crazy thing, people have cited John Jones's Twitter like, yo, I don't duck nobody. I'll fight anybody anywhere. I don't need nobody to make my decisions for me, which goes back to the Malki Kawa situation. All these tweets are out there. All this shit is out there. It's like you have you have Greg Jackson telling you not to fight, that this isn't a smart fight. And it's like your job to go, you know what, coach, thanks for the advice. I'll think about it and make the decision yourself. That's the shit that got me in. Dana White got, got tight about it. And, and, you know, I understand where Greg Jackson's coming from because, you know, he's looking out for his guys and he's trying to do what's right. But your job as the champion, as the man in charge, as the guy that kind of holds all the cards, like Lewis said, it was an easy fight. You you said it himself. Chael Sonnen, you know, he would have he would have mauled he mauled Shogun. He mauled, he's gonna maul Leoto. Dude, he could have Chael Sonnen would have been a walk in the park at that point. Fuck it. You know, and even if he would have lost, let's say he would have lost by like some grace of God. You know how much money motherfuckers would have been swimming in like Scrooge McDuck to get a fucking rematch? Yeah. See, this is, and I understand what you, I understand what both of y'all are coming from. I, I don't want, I don't want anyone to think I don't understand where where everybody else is coming from. What I'm no, saying, man, I, is, think, I, I think you're racist. <laughs> 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 I think Ben, I think Ben is siding with the black guy. And ben, I don't even know if Ben's black, but he sounds pretty black. And uh, he's also been saying eight weeks, which makes me assume that he's on BPT, uh, BPT time. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, there it is, Ben. I Fuck. Fucking, uh, ben, ben do, you, do you always sign with the black guy? Is that what it is? <laughs> Puerto Rican. I'm right in the middle, dude. Well, I mean, I happen to be black, but I don't always sign with the black guy. But I do right, right, all right. Mm. Well, fuck it. I'm Puerto well, Rican, I'm too, and I support my own. <laughs> Hey, but uh, but I, I understand where both of y'all are coming from. I do, but for people to act like, oh, now John John Jones isn't a real champion, that's ridiculous. This is a sport. This this is a sport, and until someone takes that title from him, he's a real champion. Now the Charles Sonnen thing is, first of all, no one's going to look at it like this, but it's actually very good for business that John Jones turned on his fight because now you got Charles. Uh, Chelsea Sonnen in full WWE mode giving promos out on sports center. Now let's say you beat Forrest Griffin which is not guaranteed let's say you beat Forrest Griffin then you can build this up it's got the slow burn you got people thinking John Jones ducked Chelsea Sonnen which I find ridiculously hilarious ducked Chelsea Sonnen like he was going to lose then you get another UFC 148 you get a million by pay-per-view the problem the only problem I have is the way the UFC laid this at the feet of John Jones like this is all your fault the way we conduct our business now is all your fault. The way we oversaturate the market, all your fault. The reason we can't move this shitty ass car to fuel, it's all your fault. What the fuck is coming on the fuel on September first on uh, at ten? Nothing. Nothing coming on fuel. Put this car on fuel. All these fighters could have got paid. Instead, you're like, oh, it's John Jones' fault. These guys ain't getting paid. No, it's not. You could have put this on fuel. It's your decision to cancel the card. It wasn't John Jones' decision. Y'all decided y'all couldn't take what was going to be on fuel, surfing off fuel for one night. Like, y'all, they can control this. The UFC could have made this better. Instead, they looked at it as, okay, this car's got to be a pay-per-view. Sometimes you've got to be. You're already eating a million dollars. Go ahead. 
Well, one example that you gave with Tito Ortiz not accepting the Chuck, but I'll, I'll concede to that. There was some, there was a, a while that Tito wouldn't fight Chuck. They made the fight eventually. I will concede that they, they, that was put off for a little while. But what about the other 99% of the time where these guys just take fights on one day's notice? Rick Story, Charlie Brenneman, that's a famous story. One day's notice when Mark Horn couldn't fucking, uh, when, when he got TR, he got spent up on TRT. Or what about fucking Michael Bisping, who's tweeting today that he fought Chael on eight days' notice? A true Lost. fucking middleweight. A fucking British guy that can't wrestle. Actually, he actually won that fucking fight, dude. And I love Chael with well, all my heart. I, I, thought he, I thought he won too, but technically yeah. he lost. Like, I, I thought he won too, but he lost. But he came out and he fucking fought a dangerous motherfucker in Chael Sonnen on eight days' notice when fucking uh, Stan got injured. And let me tell you something, dude. He fucking took it like a man. There's, it's a, this is not volleyball. Okay, I get it if you're in fucking the Olympics and the, the, the one team that wasn't supposed to be there got there. You're a fucking fighter, dude. And let me tell you something. The guy who's not supposed to fucking be there should be easier for you to fucking beat. And you should just take that fight and you say, hey, you know what, dude? I have a responsibility for, to my coworkers. I have a responsibility to my fans. He has no I have responsibility, responsibility to his coworkers. Yes, he does, dude. Let me tell you but something. He does it. He's independent contract. These people, their contracts aren't linked. Like, they don't get paid. There's no trickle down effect. This. Car. That's what I'm talking about. Well, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Is, dude, no, what responsibility I responsibility is that... Go ahead. No, all I was going to say is, in I understand what Ben was about to, to drop regarding that, that he's independent and this, that, and the third, but you know what it is? When you are the champion, you are considered the face of the organization. It is your job to lead by example. And I understand where Ben is coming from, but... If, when you wear that belt, when you walk around with that gold, when you do all those interviews, when you're on the cover of ESPN, the body issue, you're getting all this money, all this sponsorships, the whole reason why Nike is dealing with John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, look at all three guys. They're all champions, but above all else, they are the faces of the organization. They're out there for mainstream appeal. You lead by example. And, and it's true, yeah. They're independent contractors. John Jones, he's getting his money. He doesn't give a fuck about who's getting paid, who's not getting paid. It's not his concern, which to a degree, that's fine. I shouldn't worry about what my, my, my co-workers are making either. Fuck them. But the fact still remains that you are the face of the organization. You lead by fucking example. That's it. You, you All those other guys that duck fights and, and quit, you go, hey, listen, I got a lot to lose in this fight. I don't give a fuck. I'll go in there and, and, and punch the, the West Lynn gangster in his fucking face. And get this paycheck and keep it moving. That's all. And then you, and know, you know what? Look, go ahead. I'm not even saying. I'm not even saying that. Uh, I'm not even saying that he's ducking the fight because he's not. I don't think that John Jones believes that Chael Sonnen. No, listen, listen, listen. I don't think that John Jones believes Chael Sonnen can beat him. He doesn't. Okay. Here's the thing. He's with Greg Jackson, who's a fucking mathematician. He's like a fucking Asian kid in a laboratory, just fucking working on formulas <laughs> for fucking these guys to be able to beat each other. You know what I'm saying? And he sat there with Greg Jackson, and Greg Jackson spit out some fucking algorithm where he said, hey, dude, there's this much of a percentage of a chance where you're going to lose. And he's like, you know what, dude? I'm not going to take that chance. And I get that. I, as a human, I get that. But let me tell you something, dude. As a fan of the fucking sport, I don't want my champion to turn down a fucking fight. I don't care if they ask him to fight fucking uh, a chicken in a parking lot, dude. If they ask you to do it and people want to see the fucking fight, make it happen. That's it, dude. You're a fighter. I understand, and, I, and I understand what you're saying. The, the no, dude. You don't understand Chelsea what you're saying, man. You don't understand. The Chelsea Sonnen doesn't deserve the shot. That, that's what I'm saying. Like People are acting like Chelsea Sonnen was his contender. 
Tucson is not a contender. But Tucson he d- has, you know what's going on like in the U.S. Hold on, hold on. Right, heavy weight is it's three, four, one, 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 two. Go ahead, Lewis. Hold on, let. We'll have a title shot in a lighter weight class, and then they'll move up, dude. If there's any sport no. that MMA is most like, it's boxing. And let me tell you something, there's a guy who fucking is a contender in one weight class and he wants to move up just one weight class higher. I think there is some validity to the fact that he was a number one contender at 185. No, there's not. There's no validity. If it's a sport, that, that'd be like... Oh, what did you say, Ben? Did you just fuck up there's the validity? No, there's, no, there's no validity there. Let's say you were in Division two basketball. You're in Division we're going to go about the business. You're in the Division II basketball team in the NCAA. You win your, you lose the final game of your tournament. Yet then they put you in the final four for the big uh, Division One. There's no validity to where you at. There's none. There's no valid reason you're there. Chell Sonnen should have had to win a fight at light heavyweight before he got even mentioned for a fight well, with John Jones. Well, here it- that's why at times I think don't think this is a sport. This is entertainment. And, and when you when they, Dana White gets mad at things like this, this is entertainment at this point because it's not a sport. If it's a sport, he's going to have to earn his way there. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Lewis. Validity in Chael Sonnen losing uh, or or losing a fight to Anderson Silva, but just coming off a fucking beasting Brian Stan, winning a really close fight against uh, Michael Bisping. There's more validity to him moving up and getting a title shot than there was to Leona Machida kicking a 47-year-old Randy Couture in the face and getting a title shot. Were you bitching about that title Leona shot? deserved either one of his title shots. Like, you're, you're not, you're preaching to the choir. I don't believe he deserved either one of those. Leona Machida in his last, I think, four fights, is two and three or something like that. Like, he, no, his, I don't but believe Leona, I'm fucking with you, but we're talking about a division that's completely cleared out. My idea was to have Jones sit or Jones take a fight at heavyweight and then have uh, you know the, the division kind of clear itself out, see what happens with Glover Teixeira and Rampage, see what happens with fucking uh, you know, uh, Shogun and uh, Gustafsson. Yeah, and get a real, true number one contender. But the truth is, now I look at it, it's like, no, Jones Jones is talking shit like he wants to move up to heavyweight. I don't think he really wants to make the move to heavyweight. I think John, Jones likes to fucking yap. And if his coach said, hey, you know what, you know what, Johnny, uh, you know, if you move to heavyweight, there's going to be uh, 3% le- less likely chance that you could win this fight. I think John Jones would just take the easier fucking fight, dude. You know what I'm saying? Well, he I'm not said denying that he that... moved to heavyweight in like three years. Like, he didn't say tomorrow. He said no, he said 2013, 2014 at the latest. No, nah, so interview from MMA Junkie, I believe. Not MMA Junkie. I think MMA Fighting, when he was like in two or three years, I might want to move to heavyweight. Like, I don't, he, I don't he originally that. said doing one, like, he first said uh, earlier this year, 2013. Then recently in an interview, he was like, in two or three years, maybe I'll go to heavyweight. I, 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 the interview you're talking about exists. It's just, I'm saying, like, later on this year, he said, maybe in two or three years. I don't know. I don't go to, I don't go to MMA fighting because I don't trust Ariel Hawani. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's, one, here's one thing I got I to gotta toss out there, too, and it's the fact that the UFC probably called up a couple of 205-pounders, and, that, you know, Chris Weidman came out, he's like, oh, you know, I was going to fight. The fact is that the UFC looked at it from who's going to get us the most money. It's not even a question of who's who's more relevant, or who deserves the fucking shot. Dana White said, who is going to make people fucking blow a load for this pay-per-view? And Chael Sonnen is that dude. What are you going to do? Put put Brandon Vera in there? You know what I mean? Or put, 
You, you know, I mean? not, not to not to shit on Brandon, but you know, what I mean, what are you gonna do? Put Brandon Vera in there. John Jones takes that fight, and the pay per view buys a fucking five or six, you know, uh, five or six thousand less than they should be. Come on, son. They could have put Jefferson <laughs> in there. There was fighters they could have. They they could have put Jefferson in there. They could have. They could have put Rampage in there. Fuck it. Let's... Maybe Glover. Well, Rampage. <laughs> Rampage is a loss. Fuck yeah, it, but 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 we're not even I mean, looking at wins and losses. Like, yeah, I guess you could put them in there. We're not even looking at losses. Yeah. We're looking at making money. That's what I'm saying. Like the UFC is looking at who's gonna make us fucking money because that's what it is. The UFC is the pimp and the fighters are the hoes. Who's gonna make us money that night? Who's gonna bring us a and fat that's what check? Me the most because it's basically like the dude said no. Like he, uh, pimps and hoes. He's the hoe that said no, and now Dana White's talking about. <laughs> like, what? You, what and the funniest part to me is this. Dana White was like, if he turns out in a Leona Machida fight, I'm going to cut him. Really? You won't cut John Jones? Fuck it, but you know what I'm it is, dude? But but let's be real, dude. It's like, yo, you don't want this fight. Now you don't want this fight. Now who the fuck do you want to fight? Do you want to fight the Pope? Do you want to fight Mother Teresa? I don't think there was any chance of John Jones turning down that, the next fight. Fuck it, put the light pole in there. That out there. Like, I'll cut him, like. Huh? Put the light pole in there that he lost to in the Bentley. <laughs> Put the light pole in the fucking fight at this point. The, the fuck? Thing, the, thing that me is, the thing that bothers me also is the way the UFC is now throwing one of their champions completely under the bus. Chell Sonnen went on ESPN maybe an hour after the conference call and basically comp- continued to disparage their champion. There's a better way to handle this. There was so like even if you're angry at John Jones, there was so there was a way better way to handle this where yeah, but the dude, man, man is still mad. Ben, the, ben, 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 they're fucking cage fighters. Come on, dude, this isn't golf. This isn't anything else, dude. These are fucking dudes fighting in the cage, and that's why I love Dana White. As much shit as all, hold on, hold on, guy, let it finish. No, that's not true. The sport has evolved, and let me tell you, the sport's evolved more since Dana White and fucking the Fertitas took over this company than it ever would have evolved if they didn't. The reason that the fans, Dana White's got more Twitter followers than any of the fighters under his roster. He's fucking, he knows what the fuck he's doing, dude. And let me tell you something, every once in a while, Dana White needs to truly stand up and say, hey, you know what, dude, this guy fucked up. And that's why we love him, dude. I'm telling you right now, for as much as you fucking hate on Dana, I think you're playing devil's advocate in a weird way. I think you have, like, a, you're like you're kind of going like, all right, dude. Well, I want to see from this other perspective. You know that Dana White's a real motherfucker, and you appreciate Dana White for being that dude. I don't want. I've been to Bellator events, dude. I've shook hands and interviewed John Rabney. He's fine. But he's fucking boring, dude. I don't want to go <laughs> hang out with Bjorn Rebney and fucking have a beer. Boring fucking Bjorn. Bjorn. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Let me go bang a hooker with Dana White and fucking do some blow and fucking shut down a fucking competitor's fucking pizzeria. I don't know, dude. They're fucking gangster motherfuckers, dude. You love them for that reason. I do like Dana's honesty, but at times his honesty gets him in trouble. There was no reason for him to react in this fashion. That, that was the whole thing with me, to talk about Greg Jackson's ruining his sport. Greg Jackson's also coaching three of your champions. Like, Greg Jackson ain't going shit. Like, he coaches three of your champions. Because Greg Jackson, Greg Jackson, he he plays fucking chess, dude. And we're not playing chess; we're fighting. If you have, if you can figure out a way for a guy to win a fight with taking the least amount of damage and you know, winning it in the most safe way, I get how that is. 
that is valuable, you're going to win fucking fights. But let me tell you something, dude. It's not going to win any fans. And the fans are who pay for these pay-per-views, dude. Let me tell you something. There's, Anderson Silva can't sell a pay-per-view because he can't speak to the fans. He has that little faggy fucking high-pitched Burger King voice. Nobody gives a shit about it. You know what I'm saying? That's the truth. So you need to be able to fucking speak to your fans. You speak to your fans by kicking fucking ass and being able to get onto a microphone and actually fucking have a conversation with them. So that's why there's not... There's not many, Brock Lesnar sold the most pay-per-views. Kimbo Slice could sell some more pay-per-views than a lot of these guys. People could relate to these guys. The thing with Greg Jackson, though, and people are like, oh, he's a terrible... He's, he's making his fight boring. He has Donald Cerrone, had Melvin Gillard, uh... Both of them by themselves, they win a bunch of fights. Like he has the most fighting night awards, the most knockout night awards, the most submission night awards. This, this Craig no, Jackson thing, has, it only comes up when he's boring. It only comes up when he's trying to have a boring quote unquote game plan. Dude, he he has all of those things because he's been in the he's been in the sport longer than most coaches, and he has the most fighters. So it's just a, a pure fucking game of numbers there. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he like yeah, he does have a lot, but. If you look at the guys who are fucking at the top, top, top of the fucking game, people like fucking GSP. I mean, dude, John John's exciting. I'm not going to fucking hate on him. But uh, fucking, uh, we saw him put uh, fucking Clay Guida into a boring fight recently. I mean, dude, he, his style is to take the least amount of damage. And every once in a while, you get somebody who's a freak like John Jones, who he has this amazing ability because of his fucking long limbs and his fucking just natural fucking uh, athletic ability to put on an exciting fight and still take a very little amount of damage. And that's more of a uh, uh, fucking John Jones, a uh, compliment on John Jones than it is on Greg Jackson. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Like, like I've always said about Greg Jackson, it's not so much the coach, it's the fighters. It's, yep. it's not so much any, anybody being born under Greg Jackson. It's not so much because he makes them boring. It's because their style doesn't lend itself to being exciting. They, I, I don't think it's necessarily... His fault. Yeah, but what the fuck that happened is, to Clay Guida? Like, what happened to Guida, dude? That guy used to okay, bounce around like Blanca from Street Fighter. The thing with Clay Guida is he's had multiple fights over Bourne. Like, people always forget that Clay Guida had an extremely terrible fight with Nate Diaz. We humped Nate Diaz left. Like, people forget he's done that. But, like, you remember the Diego Sanchez fight. You remember the fights that were exciting. Right. Clay Guida had some terrible fights. It just, it just so happened that when he fought Gray Maynard, I don't know what the fuck the game plan was. That was terrible to me. I, I, I don't understand sticking a move in if you aren't going to stick. Kind of have to stick. But yeah, there was no way, stick in there. It is what it is. Smother, smother and cover is the fighting style. Even, even GSP. I like GSP. He's a cool dude. But let's be real, dude. His fucking fights. Like the only reason they're super, they're super exciting for people is because of who he's fighting. G- you know, GSP became a glass of milk over the last couple of years. Some of his fights, I watch him. I watch him sometimes, you know, on DVD or whatever. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck, man? Watch that shit on fast forward. Yeah, I don't it, even hate but, on GSP because GSP, he, he's so good and, like, so physically perfect, no homo. <laughs> that he fucking, uh, 
he like it's pretty impressive to watch him just literally just dominate dudes. And if you're a real fan of the sport like we are, you can appreciate the fact that like he's literally doing everything absolutely perfectly, and he's done it perfectly for a long, long, long fucking time. That Matt Sarah fight was a long time ago. So I don't give GSP as much shit as I give some other lay and play dudes. But it's fucking, uh, you know, I, I, maybe I'm a little partial. I'm a GSP fan. I'm a Gracie guy. I just watched GSP roll with Henzo Gracie last week. It was one of the coolest experiences ever. Very jealous. I saw the photos of that. Very I jealous. I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Um, <laughs> but listen, I got I to gotta dip out of here in a minute, guys. Do we have any uh, any closing thoughts? My pregnant yeah. girlfriend's furious. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be watching... Uh, CBS is up all night with Christina Applegate with her right now. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. We, we were good. We were going to go one hour. I just wanted to wrap it up. And um, Lewis, where, where can they follow you and just give out all your links and any other information? Uh, you, I'm on Twitter at Lewis J. Gomez. That's L-U-I-S. I say it like a spick, Luis. J. Gomez. Uh, on Twitter, you can also follow my go to my podcast hammerfisting.com We're on the Riotcast Network, which is the fucking best podcast network in the world. It's got Bobby Kelly and fucking Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane and Jim Florentine and a bunch of crazy fucking podcasts. So that's Riotcast.com, Hammerfisting Podcast, the best MMA podcast in the world. Uh, Lewis, I on on this week's episode, you were talking about needing a site and some stuff. Let let let's try and get up later on this week. Maybe I can help you out. Yeah, dude, you think so? Yeah, let's let's talk later on this week, I guess. Let's talk, brother. I'm definitely down, man. We uh, our brothers up in Canada had to shut down their site, so yeah, I know, I heard. Uh, we're looking for another partner. Yeah, let's uh, let's make yeah, it happen. Talk, All right, brother, take care of yourself. All right, peace, man. Peace. All right, Ben, we brought it. Uh, we brought it full circle. Um, couple of last things before we put a nice little ribbon on it and close things out. Holy shit, that was probably one of the best hours in a while. <laughs> Last week was crazy, but this week was... Dude, I am... I was literally doing Daniel Bryan yes over here. Because it was just... It was just... It was just madness. But, um... I did... I did want to talk about the fact that... You know... With with this whole big fallout... And John Jones fighting at 152... Greg Jackson said... You know, if they want us to fight Chael, we'll fight Chael at 152 just just to kind of put a ribbon on it would you have wanted to see Chael and Jones at 152 versus him and Machida like no no bullshit no 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 hate for Machida right you would have wanted to see that right yeah like that's what I was trying to say like he said he takes a fight like I much rather see that like the Machida fight the only problem I have with it is it just happened. Like, it's so fresh in my mind, Machida looking dead. <laughs> he like, did fall slumped over, dude. Like, he did. really fresh in my mind. Like, Machida looked dead. Like, that, that's not... That, that was the only problem I had with Machida. Not so much that I, I believe Machida at some point would have owned the shot. It, it was just, like, it happened so soon ago. Like, it happened less than a year ago in Toronto, again, that Machida was on the ground looking dead. That was that was the whole thing <laughs> that bothered me about it. But I would have much rather have seen Chelsea and get his ass beat. But you know what? I I'm, mean, I feel really. Go ahead. Okay. Nah, right, go ahead, man. I feel really sorry for Dan Henderson, though. I I feel really sorry for Dan Henderson because this could be his last. That could have been his last shot. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it like this too, and and let, let's uh, if they wouldn't have canceled 151, 
and John Jones didn't want to put the belt up, why didn't he just say, yo, I'll fight Chael non-title? You know what I'm saying? And not they cancel the like card. They doing that with their champions. Like, I, I don't, they don't really like their champions doing that. Like, I, 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 um, I remember reading interview, like, they didn't like Anderson Silva going up 205 and fighting the non Like, they, they don't like doing that. No, I get, I I get it. No, I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, yo, let, let's salvage the fucking card. You know what I mean? Like, that was the shit, too. Like, like Dana White, when I was hearing the conference call, and, and you know, the way he handled it was questionable. We know this. But l- let's be real, dude. Dana White was legitimately just, you could just hear him broken. Ima- imagine, you know, it's like, oh, we put this card together, and now we got to cancel it because of one guy, which he shouldn't have done. Honestly, he would have been, he would have, if he wanted to stick it to John Jones, he'd be like, guess what, you don't want to fight, we're still doing the fucking card anyway. And you're fighting Machida next month. Fuck it. That's what he should have done. Like, yep. That was the whole thing with me was, why didn't you just put the card? Like, he was, too, he was too emotional. Too emotional, dude. Yeah, I, like, he, he should have took a, it, it seemed like he had just got off the phone with John Jones. Yep. Like, it, literally, like, five seconds ago, and then he got on. Like, he should have took a step back, <laughs> you know, not be as red, because I imagine he was bloody red at the moment, chill out, get on that phone call, make a plan instead of being like, we're canceling the car. Make a plan and be like, you know what, maybe we should put this card on and just say, Jones is going to fight on 152, which is now might be the best card of the year. Put Jones on 152, make Ellenberger, Jayden Ron the main event, make it a $25 pay-per-view, do something to appease the fans, and then move on. You don't have to throw your champion under the bus. You don't have to spaz out on Greg Jackson. Well, you don't have to put Tell Sonnen on SportsCenter. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah, but, but you know what, though? Let, let, let's look at it this way. Greg Jackson handled it correctly. Greg Jackson's like, look, man, I don't understand why Dan is mad at me. D- Greg, Greg was like, yo, if I would have known this shit was going to go the way it would have gone, fuck, I wouldn't have said shit. Like, like I like the way he was kind of like, damn, dude, if it, I, I didn't know it was going to be like that. But the thing, the thing that gets me is that it's, it's just crazy that, you know, Dana, Dana pretty much took to the air and and like you said, he didn't he didn't stop and he didn't think. He just fucking said, "Yo, this motherfucker fucked me." So fuck it. It's it's like you know what happens when when you see, you see these shows where people get married or you know they're having an issue with the wedding or the groom gets stood up or the bride gets stood up and they have to like have a reception or they just call the entire thing off. That's pretty much what happened. Dana White's like, "Do I have the reception?" And keep it all good? Or do I just fucking just blow up the entire village? And he said, fuck it, I'll blow up the entire village just to make a statement. And you know what it is? That statement was well-received, but also, if he would have took a step back, he may, he may have he may have taken a different course of action. You know, I think it was emotion involved. And to jump on what Lewis said, the dude wears his heart on his fucking sleeve, you know? He's, he's a he's a he's a hardcore fucking dude, and I always say that, and, and you've heard it on on countless shows. I'll go, yo, Dana White could have done that a lot differently, but fuck it, you know that's what happens. That's what separates him from the guys that run the NFL, from the guys that run MLB. He just doesn't give a shit. He'll tell you to go fuck yourself on Twitter. There are people that literally ask him, Dana, can you tell me to fuck off? I've seen it, you know, like that's the that that's the kind of shit when you have more when you have more followers than than the than the champions in your organization. Clearly, you're doing something right, and and I understand just trying to trying to be that kind of a guy, 
but like you said, you got to step back for a second and be like, all right, what the fuck am I going to do here? Sure. Yeah. John Jones, you know, John Jones take, not taking the fight, dude, I'd be I'd be tight, especially because Chael Sonnen's like, fuck it, I'll do it. When do you hear, not not to be an asshole, but when do you hear that? Like, I'm, they probably called like five or six guys, you know, let's say Weidman, Sonnen, couple of other guys, maybe maybe Rich Franklin, fuck it, you know, you call Rich Franklin, you know, he's always down for whatever, he don't give a shit, you know, you, you, call, you call a couple of these guys, be like, yo, you want to fight John Jones next week? And then they 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 have a list of all the dudes that say yes, and then they'll be like, "All right, who's gonna make us the most money?" I guarantee you, that's what it was. They just have a dartboard with names on, it, and they're like, "Fuck it, Chael wins." <laughs> you come on, yeah, you know that's and, how the shit went. Trying to get Chael, I understand it, I really do. But Chael doesn't deserve shot at all in the least bit. Last time we saw Chael, he tried to spin him back fist, he got kneed in the mouth of the chest. <laughs> but let's. That's what happened to Chill last time we saw Chill. But I did like the fact when he said that when when he was trying to hype up that fight, dude, I was dying. He goes, "Yo, in thirty minutes, you're gonna make the biggest fucking decision of your life." And I'm not throwing no fucking spinning backfist this time. Chill Sonnen only falls once, you know, like like dude, not for nothing. Chill Sonnen is hard is a hardcore troll, but dude, he makes the sport fucking interesting. Like John Jones is a complete athlete. He is marketable. He's great for the sport, but dude, when you just want a, when you want a card to sell, you need fucking guys like Chael. You need guys like Ken Shamrock telling Tito Ortiz he's gonna fucking kill him. You need guys like Frank Mir saying that when he fights Brock Lesnar, it's gonna be the first death in the octagon. You need that crazy shit. You need Ronda Rousey saying she's gonna kill Sarah Kaufman, dude. As much as people frown upon that shit, you get hype hearing that. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> for as much as I just like Chell, because some of his stuff comes off as somewhat racist, uh, I don't mind Chell Sonnen. He's good for the sport. He He's good for the sport. That being said, didn't deserve a shot, then handled this terribly. <laughs> for, for, for Dana White to be like, oh, there's a low point in MMA because John Jones ruined the card. John Jones didn't ruin shit. You could have still had the card. Did you did you hear the call or were you or were you reading it? I, I heard parts of like I, I didn't go back and listen to the whole thing, uh, but I, I listened to some before we got on the air. Dude, I was in the office like an asshole. I was in the office like an asshole hearing this with the with the headphones, and then you're messaging me as I'm hearing it. My manager would come in and he'd be asking me for some shit. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's done, whatever, dude. And I'm just hearing, dude, the headphones. My ears were sweating because he was just. You know, I'm holding the headphones closed because, you know, I want to hear, like, what he... And he's like, yo, this is fucking insane. Greg Jackson needs a fucking shrink. It's like, dude, for you to say that 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 one of the top coaches in the sport is a fucking lunatic and he needs his head examined. It's like, dude, you got to be you got to be real upset. You know, you got to be real tight. And that's that's the craziness of it, man. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I guarantee you that if Chael gets a shot at John Jones... It will probably be top three, one of the highest selling pay per views. Period. I, I completely think it will be. Also, on John Jones's part, I'd be a straight up asshole to Dana now. You you talking about cutting me? Cool. After I beat the other machine, you know how Dana gives uh, tries to put the belt on? I snatch the belt up out of his hand. I walk out and do interviews. Like, what you gonna do to me? What, what you gonna do? I, I fought. Like I take the belt from him. Well, you know what John Jones is gonna do. 
John Jones is going to look at this from the standpoint of he he's going to look at it and like I said it's like what you've said in the last hour dude you're 100% on the ball with where you stand where I stand is kind of in the middle because like I said John Jones got his belt because somebody did him the solid you get what I'm saying I'm just talking about and not not even not even semantics or records or stats or any of that bullshit but just on the level he of also did the UFC a solid too. Right. He did it. He did the U he did the and UFC a solid. Yeah, but what I'm saying is just I'm talking about from in the big money situation the UFC took a gamble on him putting him in there with Shogun. And Shogun was in a situation where he could have said fuck it, I'm not going to do it. He could have. But Shogun was like, "Yo, fuck it, I'm going to do it." When, from that's why I said I'm I'm kind of in the middle. Lewis was on one end, you're on on the other, and I was in the middle because I was like, "Yo, you said I'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, and if you're the greatest fighter on the planet, I don't give a shit if you're fighting Terry Shivo, an AIDS patient, or a toddler. I'm fucking you up. That's what I do." I'm the best there is at what I do, even when what I do isn't very nice. That's it. Fuck it. You go in there, you bust Chael Sonnen's fucking head open like a watermelon, you get your money, and you go home. And after you do the fight, you tell Danny, yo, fuck you for putting me in this fucking fight, but now give me this check. You see what I mean? Like, just from the standpoint of, again, paying it forward. I'm not talking about records or anything. Just, just in the fact that you want me to take this fight. You're the boss. You pull in. You pull in rank. Sure, I'll take this fight. And like you said, after you whoop that guy's ass, you go see. There's your fucking contender. Leave me the fuck alone. You know what I mean? I'm out. Drop the mic and walk out. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like, I mean, and honestly, if, if it had been the same amount of time that showing that showing not six weeks, it was, it was like it wasn't an eight day bonus. Like, a little bit more extreme. Be like, hey, yeah, you've been And and the, we'll close it out with this. What the fuck shape was Chael Sonnen gonna be in in a week, dude? Let's be fucking real. What cardio would that motherfucker have had? Like 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 I said, See, not looking at records. You know, like like what like like fuck it. You know what I mean? Like yo, let me just smash this dude like a fucking melon. And on the on the flip side, it, acknowledging what John Jones did, minus canceling the UFC 151 card was also smart and this is where Greg Jackson kind of comes in because think about it you said he said I don't I'm really not cool with this Leoto Machida fight because you know he's a tough fighter blah 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 this that and the third now now you're taking a guy who you were concerned about being dangerous and putting him on the clock to get ready in six weeks you see the shit I'm saying like from a from a from a from a mental game, John Jones finished camp, dude. He's ready to rock and roll regardless. 
The pressure's on Machida now to come in there and deliver. You see what I'm saying? So John Jones just gave himself an edge. Yeah. He just he just gave himself yeah, an I edge, mean, pulling the shit he pulled, and people may may or may not have noticed that. But yo, you just put the guy that he was most worried about fighting in a in a predicament where him losing is a lot easier than it was had it been a full a full build out. Quite frankly, I thought I, I thought Leo regardless if they fought again. Oh yeah, regardless, but but with a full camp, you get what I'm saying? With a full camp, they would have watched tape. Yeah, with a full camp, he'd be, he'd be in better shape. Right. And all that stuff. Chelsea, I don't think Chelsea Sonnen was in horrible shape. Like, Chelsea Sonnen's training for a fight right now. Like, he yep. was in the middle of a training camp himself. But he did put, he put Leoto in a really bad position. Leoto, yes, he did. He would have took the fight too. But he put, he put them in a really bad position to where they're like, yo, you got it might not even be six weeks. Um, yeah, twenty second is. Uh, yeah, twenty seconds, roughly a month. Yeah. Roughly, roughly a month yeah, away. Today's six weeks. You got six weeks to get ready for a dude that nearly killed you. Yep. Go. Yep. Go. <laughs> it, it's like walking on death row. Basically. So they. I mean, that's basically. Go ahead. They're doing. Yeah, I feel, I feel bad for Machida. No, I said I feel bad for for Leoto Machida on this. Yeah, I mean, I feel I, I personally I feel bad for the fighters on that card. Well, I, yeah, I that too. Bad. I would have felt bad for the UFC if Dana didn't act like a little bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel bad for Dana. Uh, I feel bad for, in a way, not a overreaching way, but in a small way, I feel bad because Jones was put into a. John, John Jones was put in a position where his decision affected all these people and it really shouldn't have. The UFC, there's no reason the UFC, one dude's decision should affect, like, what was it, 16 fighters? I believe it was 16. Yeah, there's no reason his one decision should mean none of the rest of these dudes eat. No, you're right. In my opinion, like, it just, there's no reason that... So for Dana White to be like, oh, it's your fault. Like, it's not. It, it shouldn't be one person's fault. Because what if, what if John Jones, both Dan Henderson and John Jones are not injured? Then you'd step... What if that's what it was announced was? Both of them are injured, and you still cancel the card? But what, well, who would you blame then? True. Like, it was, it was like, at that point, it was like, it was some kind of scapegoat thing. Or what, what, if, what if John Jones was injured, and Dan Henderson, and I know people are like, oh, Dan Henderson would have took this fight. And there's no guarantee of that. And Dan Henderson is like, no, I'm not going to fight some random dude on, on eight days notice. And Dan Henderson has still gotten the same anger and vitriol. I don't think so because I think there's a group of people for some unknown reason that just don't like John Jones. Like, there's just something about him that rubs some people the wrong way. Well, there you have it. To, to quote Lewis, racism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Um, just to wrap it up, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. Also, you can check Ben's work out on MyTakeRadio.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page to talk MMA. Ben always pops in and shares his insight with us. And as always, make sure look for him on Twitter and continue the debates there. Anything else you want to add, dude? Uh, no. That's it. All right, man. It was a blast as always. Thanks a lot, brother. All right. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was that was Ben. Man, what a what a fucking awesome segment. It, it's like two weeks in a row of just craziness. 
and 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 I fucking love it, dude. It is it is great. Now, with that said, let's get into the circus known as WWE and professional wrestling. Booker, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. All right, this week's wrestling segment, as always, is brought to you by WWEshop.com. Save $10 on your order of $70 or more by entering the promo code WWESAVE10 at WWEshop.com. Valid until August 31st. All right, we got a, a, a crazy amount of wrestling this week because things just went crazy. We had SummerSlam. We had three-hour Raw. We have... Um, we, you know, we had Impact, all these crazy news, but let's talk about SummerSlam because it was the biggest, quote-unquote, one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. Like anything else, you got your big four, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and Mania. Now, before I get into sharing my thoughts on the card, I do have to say that overall, I felt that this card just didn't live to that top four SummerSlam feel that we've known from previous events. There's a lot of factors involved as to why it didn't work. But I'm just going to cite a couple of things. Uh, the pre-show YouTube match with Santino and Claudio Castagnoli, a.k.a. Antonio Cesaro, was actually a very good match. And I knew that they were going to take the belt off Santino because there's really nothing you can do with him. You can't really take him seriously as a wrestler because he's in that comedy gimmick. So unless they were planning on making him turn the corner and become a legit ass kicker, you knew Antonio Cesaro was getting that belt. Overall, the match was was pretty good. I just don't like all the hokey shit with the Cobra, which Quark acknowledged in this past uh, this past week's Buried article. And I can understand why people just felt that it was very hacky. But Cesaro with the belt adds a different dynamic to that division. So hopefully it's the start of just a resurgence for the U.S. title because honestly that shit has been playing second banana for the last couple of months. Jericho and Ziggler's match was amazing from start to finish. I was shocked that Jericho got the got the win on this one, but of course, when we saw Raw on Monday night, we see how it ended, and, you know, make of it what you will. Kane and Daniel Bryan, I was shocked that they it, the match went the way it went. While they always try to do the basic big man, little man formula, I just felt that they didn't work well together. I think Kane snapping was kind of cool, but the match itself was... Eh, it was it was it was all right. Miz and Mysterio kind of felt like it was thrown together, felt very rushed, and you know Miz got the got the pin with the skull crushing finale. But I, again, this this was one of those matches that needed like a slow burn and and a couple of promos and a couple of attacks and tag matches to build it up. It felt very very rushed, and because of that, it just didn't give the proper. The proper feel for a match involving these two guys. Rey Mysterio, he's he's reinvigorated. He's he's lost some weight. He's in good shape. The Miz, he's he's bringing uh, some legitimacy to the to the IC belt. I expected more out of this match than what I got, and I was really fucking disappointed. Sheamus and Del Rio was complete garbage. I just hated that fucking match. The tag team championship match it went exactly the way it went since, and I played the primetime players music for this reason since they took the. Abraham Washington out of the equation, the, the allure that made the PTP 
a legit tag team is gone. They just, you know, it was just... <clears throat> as, as generically bad as it sounds, it was four black guys in a ring that, and nobody gave a fuck about any of them. Which is unfortunate because Kofi's a great wrestler. Uh, the primetime players are coming into their own and R-Truth is, is always good in whatever role he's in. But like I've said it and I continue to reinforce it, Kofi Kingston is not a tag team wrestler in my opinion. He has the makings of a great singles competitor that can elevate titles like the IC belt and the U.S. championship. R-Truth, if you want to have him in tag teams, like I said, there's better guys that complement his style better. This match is such a placeholder in their fucking ghost town of a tag team division that I could have actually done with it not even being on the pay-per-view. The triple threat match was paint by numbers pretty much. We all knew that the double team on Big Show was coming and CM Punk was retaining. Now, I was particularly annoyed because this is your championship match. Once again, lending tons of validity to what CM Punk says about playing second banana to fucking everybody. Your main event, ladies and gentlemen, was Brock Lesnar against Triple H. God bless Paul Heyman, wherever he is. Well, Paul Heyman is Jewish, so, uh, you know, Mazel Tov or whatever the fuck. Anyway, no match has had so much hype behind it that just felt like it did not deliver like this match. You can tell that the contrast in styles just was apparent from the, as soon as the bell rang. It, it just really didn't feel like there was any sort of mesh in this match. Triple H is a brawler. Brock Lesnar, they're trying to show that MMA offense that kind of makes it work. It's, you know, it's it's crazy. It's just, it didn't gel at all. And the way it ended, you know, with him breaking Triple H's arm, which was cool or whatever. There was a point in that match where Triple H, where Brock Lesnar took a, a, a serious bump to the abdomen by the Spanish announce table. And you can just tell that it just looked very awkward. I think he got legit hurt in that, but, you know, he powered through it. And the match, like I said, the match just seemed very disjointed considering the two participants in the match. Of course, this leads us right into Raw, which, again, opened up with some really, really solid stuff from Paul Heyman, as usual. I honestly think that overall SummerSlam, like I said, if I had to rank it, from a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it maybe a 7 tops. With that said, let's get right into Raw. Which, to to my, you know, I don't know why my soundboard wasn't working for the Raw theme, so fuck you, stupid soundbite. Anyway, Raw opened up, Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman, awesome as usual, delivered an epic promo. Brock Lesnar anointed himself as the new King of Kings and the master of the Brocktagon. Which, again, Paul Heyman is the fucking man. To come up with that, and it just flowed so well when he delivered that line, I, I really appreciated it. I really liked the opening promo. It was a, a great way to start things off. Kofi Kingston, R-Truth, and Sin Cara took on Cody Rhodes and the primetime players. I expected so much more from this match, again, with, with the guys involved. And again, it, it just felt, it just left me hanging. Of course, we got a Ryback squash match, which is always good in my book. Ryback is a fucking lunatic. Um, this feud that they're building with Jinder Mahal, it's its really a placeholder feud in my opinion. If you're going to make Ryback feud with anybody and make it have any sort of a meaning, put him in a feud with Kane. Put him in a feud with a, with a big dude. That, that makes it look like you know he has to overcome some sort of odds. 
He's fighting Jinder Mahal, a guy that comes and puts his turban in a fucking fish tank. How am I going to take you seriously? Racial overcoats it on, on full display. You had Jinder Mahal, fucking, he was with the great Kali, then he comes out dressed like fucking Great Tiger from Punch-Out, and you want me to take him seriously? Feuding with Ryback, who you guys are building as a killer? Come on, dude, get out of here. That shit is fucking laughable at best. It's complete fucking bullshit. Del Rio and Randy Orton went exactly the way it went with Sheamus' involvement and Randy Orton getting the RKO and everybody goes home happy. On the flip side, Brodus Clay and Damian Sandow ended exactly how it should have because this card was this match was supposed to be on SummerSlam, but because we had to get a Kevin Rudolph concert, which Quark promptly reminded me about. We didn't get to see it. I actually, when I watched SummerSlam on the replay, I fast-forwarded through that while I went to the bathroom and came back, and it was right at the point where I wanted to keep watching the card. Brodus Clay and Sandow should have been on SummerSlam just to kind of close out that feud, but they they clearly want to kind of keep it burning a little bit longer. Damian Sandow's at a point where if he can move on from Brodus and start getting into that upper card, he really has all the tools. His mic work is on point. His promos are on point. He, he's, he's really beyond the Brodus Clay feud. We got to see the return of naked face David Otunga looking extra oily after doing his movie with Halle Berry. All I have to say is nobody gives a fuck about David Otunga, so I can give less of a fuck about this match. And then, of course, we had the awkward tag team pairing of Kane and Zack Ryder versus Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Of course, we all remember The Miz and Daniel Bryan had beef, and Kane and Zack Ryder had beef as well. I, I looked at this match pretty much from the standpoint that poor Zack Ryder is getting killed by somebody. And pretty much the entire match, he got his ass whooped, and then Kane ended up whooping his ass as well. This is the guy that's supposed to be your social media savvy wrestler. The guy that can go out there, knows about Twitter, knows about Facebook, knows how to tout, knows how to make himself socially relevant, which is an asset to your company, especially since you're becoming more socially relevant. But no, what do you do? You just bury the fuck out of the poor bastard. That's what you do. You bury the fuck out of a guy who has a tremendous upside, built his gimmick himself, but rather than give him props for building his own gimmick and making himself marketable, you just shit on him every week. We had our num- our number one contenders, Diva Battle Royal, which... Ugh, nothing I say can sum it up except this. <laughs> What a fucking snooze fest that match was. The only high point was Caitlyn is now your number one contender. Chris Jericho and Dolph Ziggler, pretty much, it was career versus money in the bank contract. As soon as I heard the stipulation, I knew exactly how it was going to end. Because Chris Jericho's been talking about touring with Fozzie. So as soon as I heard that, I knew it was a matter of time before Chris Jericho left the organization. And this was how it went. And honestly... Chris Jericho lost the match, and his departure was so unceremonious. It didn't have any sort of merit or any sort of of, of weight to it. He just beat uh, Ziggler's ass with the briefcase and walked out. That was it. Of course, they took the time to acknowledge that Brock Lesnar quit the WWE on tout. Uh, of course, nice way to plug that, because, you know, he couldn't quit when he was in the ring after Heyman's promo. No. After saying that this is the Brocktagon, he should have said, I have nothing left to prove, so I fucking quit. No, we gotta plug the shit out of tout and have him quit on basically the equivalent of a snuff film on the internet. 
That's what it was. The video quality of that video was complete shit. Can somebody get Brock Lesnar a better cell phone? And last but not least, CM Punk came out to give Jerry Lawler the business. John Cena interrupted him, which led to another masterful promo from Punk, but also from Cena, a very legit, awesome promo from Cena, which I, I enjoyed very much. And, of course, it all ended with Lawler getting served with a kick to the back of the head, and everyone went home happy for all for all it's worth. Honestly, I was okay with Lawler getting kicked in the back of the head only because Punk's beef with him is so legit in terms of the way that he's cutting his promos that you want to see something like that happen. You want to see that sort of a conflict. It, it worked. It worked perfectly fine for me when he was telling him, like, I didn't turn my back on anybody. You owe me a fucking apology. That shit was gold, complete gold, the way he delivered that. And Cena's involvement in the promo and also Cena's promo, like I said, just brought everything full circle. The only thing I hate is ending Raw with a promo. Nothing annoys me more. I really just felt that that was one of those things that really took the wind out of the sails of the of the promo and of the buildup. Just ending Raw like that. I mean, yeah, you know, he kicked Lawler in the back of the head, but... I like when Raw ends with something bigger, something more climactic. Lawler getting kicked in the back of the head is pretty much the same as JR getting beat up, Michael Cole getting beat up. There's no there's no weird, real weight to it. Simple as that. That was the only real low point. I mean, most of the matches were passable, but that was the way they closed that out after three hours. Just It left a bad taste in my mouth. I was not cool with it. Moving into the impact side of things, I'm not going to go too crazy discussing all the stuff on Impact. The only thing I do want to say is that Bully Ray continues to evolve into a solid heel. He's doing tremendous work, and his match with Mr. Anderson was proof of that as well. He looked really good in that match, and Impact overall was not terrible. That Jeff Hardy-Robbie T match really shouldn't have fucking happened. Um, AJ Styles taking on Robbie E and RVD was actually a surprisingly decent match. Robbie E just felt like the odd man out in the way that match worked. AJ Styles and RVD really need to have a one-on-one match. Give those guys some time because it can deliver. That's all I'm saying. It can definitely deliver. All right, let's get into the rest of the wrestling news to wrap things up. Uh, The Miz released an interview in the LA Times. Well, an interview was released with The Miz on the LA Times that you will be expecting the Marine home front in the spring of 2013. Surprising, surprisingly enough, I expected that movie to come out closer to the end of 2012, but they're saving it for 2013. I'm assuming they're going to do a, uh, you know, I'm assuming they're going to go into something a lot bigger to promote the film right after WrestleMania. So, well, leading up to WrestleMania, I should say. So, it's smart that they're saving it, but again... It's a sequel to the fucking Marine. Don't expect Oscar-worthy filmmaking, folks. Now, as always, every couple of weeks, WWE.com takes it upon themselves to put out these crazy lists, which I always share with you guys for a variety of reasons. But this particular list, a lot of people agreed and disagreed on on the placement of, of wrestlers on this list, and it's their top 50 wrestling villains of all time, which... I want to share it with you because there's so many things that I found wrong with this list for different reasons, but I'm going to start from 50 and work my way up. Batista was 50. 
Randy Savage was 49, which is bad. He should have been a lot higher, especially after his program with Hogan. Vicky Guerrero was 48. Mark Henry was 47. The Iron Sheik was 46. On what fucking planet do you put the Iron Sheik anywhere below the top 10? Are you fucking kidding me? Dude, him coming out with Nikolai Volkov and singing their national anthems was, was masterful back then. It was amazing. Fucking 46? Who comes up with this shit? Andre the Giant was 45. Eric Bischoff was 44. Eddie Guerrero was 43. Brock Lesnar, 42. Kane was 41. The legendary Don Morocco was 40. The Dudley Boys were 39. CM Punk was 38. Big Cat Ernie Ladd was 37. Ivan Koloff was 36. Paul Heyman was 35. Should have been higher. Abdullah the Butcher was 34. Terry Funk was 33. Orton was 32. Which, it's okay. His placement... Kevin Sullivan was 31. He should have been higher. Lawler was 30. Raven was 29. He also should have been higher. The late Fabulous Moolah was 28. Paul Orndorff was 27. Nick Bockwinkle was 26. Vader was 25. Legendary Harley Race was 24. I don't know why. Could have been higher. Sergeant Slaughter being uh, in this list only when he became an Iraqi sympathizer was when I felt that that was his best work. But he wasn't like a standout villain. It was kind of like, holy shit, you know, he, he's on the side of the Iraqis type shit. It wasn't like, oh my god, he, 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 he went and he beat up Hulk Hogan's mother in the parking lot. It, was, it wasn't on that level. It was just like, alright, you know, he's an Iraqi sympathizer. The Undertaker was 22. The late classy Freddie Blassie was 21. Edge was 20. Jim Cornette was 19, which is alright, I can live with that. Killer Kowalski was 18. The late Mr. Perfect was 17. Sherry Martell was 16. Chris Jericho was 15. The Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. I mean, I, I can live with 15. The original Sheik was 14. The Fabulous Freebirds were 13. JBL was 12. Ravishing Rick Rude was 11. I can live with that. Jake the Snake was 10. Not bad. He could have been a little higher. Gorgeous George was 9. The late, well, not the late, excuse me. Bobby Heenan was 8. Superstar Billy Graham was 7. Triple H was 6. Why? Because he fucked a dummy in a casket? Because he married a, a, an unconscious Stephanie McMahon? Really? That's villainy? That's fucking villainy? Seriously? Hollywood Hulk Hogan was number 5. The Million Dollar Man was number 4. Mr. McMahon was number 3. Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen were number 2. Roddy Piper was number one. But here's the shit that kills me. You got this entire list. Where the fuck was William Regal? There was never a, a better foreign bad guy within the last five or ten years that wasn't William Regal. His work in WCW, amazing. When he was a heel in WWE, when he was a, accompanied by Layla, he was awesome. When he was in a couple of tag teams, he was just an Put it like this, William Regal has villain written all over him. And to omit him from this list is a fucking tragedy. That's all I'm saying. It's a fucking tragedy. But then again, these lists are put together by fucking uh, keyboard bookers at WWE.com. So, the fuck do they know? But seriously, you leave Regal off this fucking list? The hell, man? You leave Regal off, get this, but you put Batista in there. 
Batista being a bad guy was marginal at best. He was more like the jacked up pretty boy bouncer that doesn't let people in. He wasn't a legit bad guy. He was just like a douchey jacked up bad guy. It wasn't on the level of guys that changed the game. You know, where was the big boss man as a bad guy? He should have been in that list. He also got omitted. The Silva, Muhammad Hassan, but obviously they're not going to associate themselves with that guy for obvious reasons. But it's true, Muhammad Hassan was a great bad guy. Great foreign bad guy. He was awesome. He really was. Great. Slick also brings a valid point. Bob Backlund, in, in his run as Mr. Backlund, he was amazing. Kevin Nash, the NWO. Why weren't the NWO in this list since WWE owns them? If you can put Flair together with the four horsemen, why didn't you put Hollywood Hulk Hogan in the NWO? Again, bullshit-ass lists. Moving on in some TNA news, D'Angelo De Niro got hurt. He has a broken collarbone, so he will be out for a couple of months. Brooke Hogan is rumored to be wrestling soon. We all know that the sheer concept of Brooke Hogan getting into the ring brings out the only thing that I find to be applicable in this instance, and that's... (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's what it gets. That kind of a reaction is what it gets, because seriously, Brooke Hogan in a ring... Get the fuck out of here. She can barely walk. If you guys watch Impact, I think it was two weeks ago, she fucking tripped on the entrance ramp. She looked like she was breakdancing. Do yourselves a favor, look up Brooke Hogan falling on the ramp at Impact. Fucking hysterical. I think I, I watched it on Rewind at least three separate occasions on my DVR because she just, she looked like she was breakdancing and she fell and busted her ass. She can barely walk right. Get out of here. Ugh. And of course, lastly, the departure of Tyler Rex. He uh, asked for his release, and he got it. The guy he has a he has a he became a parent recently. He's got a whole bunch of things going on. He didn't want to miss, you know, all these key moments with his family. I I can respect that. Um, it's unfortunate to see him go. I didn't hate Tyler Rex. I felt that his gimmick, especially that Magic Mike stripper gimmick they used on SmackDown. Last Friday was completely atrocious, but he had a really good look. I remember when he first came in, and I talked about this on the fan page. When he first came in, he had that Ryback-level push where he just come out and kill dudes dead. That was really, really great booking. And like I said, he had a unique look. He, he had a good presence. You could have done so much with him, but... <sighs> it's unfortunate to see him leave. Hopefully they'll do something with Kurt Hawkins. I'd like to see her Hawkins back with Ryder. Maybe it'll give them some validity, but I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll banish Hawkins to NXT and just leave him there. But I think him and Ryder getting back together, not so much doing the whole, you know, Major Brothers thing that they did, but just something different, um, it would work. Maybe, maybe Zack Ryder needs to be a heel for a little bit, have some fun with that. We gotta do something. Hawkins isn't a bad wrestler, and I don't want to see him suffering for it. And of course, uh, there's a couple of recent signees to the WWE developmental system. Uh, Memo Montenegro is a new signee. He is the younger brother of Alberto Del Rio. A uh, new guy, Chase Donovan, brought him in from... Uh, he was originally there as Bryce Andrews. Now he's wrestling professionally. He was a bodybuilder. 
Dan Birch, uh, he wrestled as Martin Stone in the UK. Uh, he had to get some knee surgery. Bit, they say, you know, about six feet tall. He's a big dude. Oliver Gray is another UK wrestler that they brought in. So the roster is growing. You know, you got Ric Flair's daughter in there, Eddie Guerrero's daughter. You got you got a decent roster in in developmental right now. And I have high hopes that hopefully a lot of these guys they'll call, they'll come up to the main roster and make an impact. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. Let's get into some video games. For some reason, that lowered a lot faster than it should have. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. My Take Radio's video game segment is brought to you by Creaction Interactive, makers of the upcoming crowdsource tactical RPG, Oravim. You can learn more by heading over to MyTakeRadio.com and clicking the Kickstarter link. I believe they're almost at 70% funding. Uh, do yourselves a favor and contribute. If you let them know you're an MTR listener, they'll give you a cool gift for your contribution. So make sure to check them out. Last week, we had the creative director on, and it was an amazing interview. If you didn't hear it, make sure to look for it either on YouTube or on our Facebook, um, on our Facebook fan page. There's a link there, or also on the site. If you want to find out more also, you can check out CreactionInteractive.com or follow Oravim on Facebook. All right, so gaming this week was was very interesting. As I mentioned at the start of the show, we, we heard the crazy situation going on with OnLive, which um, as of right now, it seems that a lot of people were let go and they were restructuring the company under new management. And the crazy thing about this is that OnLive, the potential for that service to reach so many homes is huge. You get all these PC games without requiring a PC. Um, you can either buy the games or rent them and just load them directly into the console and play them and enjoy them. A lot of great titles are have been on the OnLive system, including Batman, Arkham City, Darksiders 2 is on there. So it's it was really crazy to hear that they were in such dire straits. But now a new, a new investor came in. Seems to have everything taken together. The company is Lauder or Lauder Partners. Uh, tech investor Gary Lauder is in charge of it. And what they're saying is that they're keeping half of the staff of, of 200 employees on. Um, some executives are receiving reduced compensation. And it's crazy because OnLive's user base, according to what uh, Lauder said, was 2.5 million subscribers with an active base of over 1.5 million subscribers so had that service folded oh man people would have been extremely pissed off especially people that have bought games or own the systems so it's good to see that on live is going to live on i always felt that they were going to be acquired by another by another company i mean they're working with ouya for the ouya console you're starting to see on live being integrated into Google TV and Android devices. So I think there's a tremendous upside there, especially for some of those PC games when you don't want to go and get yourself a dedicated PC. OnLive definitely has a place in the in, in the ecosystem of consoles. I only hope that this restructuring and invest and investment opportunities can yield some good results and hopefully take care of the people that are there. Cuz I really don't like to see these companies go under. There are a lot of talented individuals that are bringing something different to the gaming industry and because of not having enough funding they end up falling by the wayside so I'm glad to see 
at least something is being accomplished by OnLive. I can only hope that it's it's something that's big enough to extend the company's longevity for the foreseeable future. Now, get this. Many of you know that there's a second there's a second Epic Mickey rumored to be coming out, I believe next year, but a lot of people have always felt that the original Epic Mickey which was on the Wii would have benefited and been more successful on the 360 and the PS3. Cases were made, issues issues were discussed regarding it, and it never came to fruition. Well, it seems that Warren Spector at Gamescom told Joystick that he's actually interested in making a version of Epic Mickey for the 360 or PS3. However, it seems that Disney is not being very receptive. In a statement that he gave to Joystick, he said the following, It's been four or five days since I've asked to get that project greenlit. It's not my call to make. I can't even tell you how much I want to see the first game with all the enhancements and improvements we've made on the Xbox 360 and PS3. Just and He ended up telling Joystick, just have all your readers send emails to Disney Corporation and say, Warren should make this game. So there you have it. I honestly felt that the one reason that Epic Mickey didn't do as good was because it did not get released on the PS3 and the 360. I, I mean, the graphics... And that particular audience would have probably helped the game move more units. Relegating it to the Wii, while nice from a fan from a family-friendly perspective, definitely did not do the game any favors in terms of making money. Hopefully they pulled the trigger on the Epic Mickey HD, only because when this game came out, I had actually already sold the Wii, and um, we ended up just not playing it. So maybe if it gets released in HD on either of the systems... I'll definitely want to rock with it. Now, I, I just got word that Slick is on the line. I'm actually going to bring him in after this piece of news because he's a, he's a hardcore player of this game, and it, and it actually is a very solid game. I think uh, Blade is also involved. Some of our listeners also play, and that's Dead Island. Dead Island actually, it's been reported that they have shipped 4 million units. So they're doing really, really well. The game, which cost less than $25 million to make, has been played well over 56,908,547 hours. The game got high user ratings because of its co-op experience, and it's definitely a high point for that game. Slick plays it consistently. It still has great shelf life, especially for a game that's been out for so long. There, every time I turn on the Xbox, I usually see him, Blade, uh, Cass, who's one of our listeners, getting it in on Dead Island. I haven't had the opportunity to play it. I've heard great things. It's just on the endless list of games I have to play. It's on that list. It's just not a game that's come into my possession as of late. But I'm going to bring Slick in because he can share some insight about Red uh, about Dead Island with you guys and what some of you may be missing out. So let me bring him on real quick. What's going on, Slick? What's up, man? I don't know, Dead Island, dude, shipped 4 million units, 56,908,547 hours have been clocked in. You should be you should be honored to be part of that number. Well, part of the um, big sales is that earlier, at the beginning of the summer, they released uh, like a Game of the Year edition that had all the additional content and pre-order bonuses that some people might have missed out on, so... That helped the sales, and I think it was like twenty nine ninety nine. So it was like no reason to not get it. Right. But like the big, the big draw of the game, 
oddly enough, is that it's glitchy as shit. Yeah, I saw I saw the invisible car photos. It's like when you have a couple of friends together, like me, Cass, and your nephew John. It's like, first of all, we're sitting there just saying the most ridiculous things ever. Then it's like you toss in the ragdoll physics, like a zombie runs up in your face, and you like either take his head off or bash his brains in, and the way the body flail is hysterical. But then the, the glitches, it's like, we sit there with our camera phone just ready because, like, nobody's going to believe this shit unless we get it on camera. Right. It's just, it's just like, the game itself is, I mean, it's a survival horror game, and once in a while they are, like, truly... I don't want to say scary because it's not really scary. It's just like there's, there's a lot of holy shit moments because if you're not really paying attention, like a zombie will literally pop up in your face that you thought was a, a, a dead body. Like how Zombie Land had the rule that you always do the double tap. In Dead Island, when you see a dead body, the rule is kick that motherfucker because it might still be moving. Makes sense. Because if you don't, it might literally pop up in your face and bite you. But it's... Between just the fun of playing with your friends, the glitches, the fact that Xbox Live has been particularly laggy lately, and I'm not saying that playing it on PlayStation is any better because I don't have any, like... I, ha I know people on PSN who have it, but... They don't play it anymore. I don't know why. But, um... I would say, as far as my experience, it definitely is better to play on 360, which I generally say about any multiplayer game, with very few exceptions. But anybody who... Like, if you like Resident Evil, if you like Left 4 Dead, especially if you like Left 4 Dead, the game is basically a long, drawn-out version of Left 4 Dead that doesn't, you know, get... You don't get tired of it. And that's the other thing that I wanted to call about. Just in general, is I'm really getting disgusted with how game companies are really fucking up for you. And Left 4 Dead is a perfect example. Recently, they had a new piece of downloadable content on Left 4 Dead 2. Which I, when I first heard it, I was like, Hold on. Are you still playing Left 4 Dead 2? Hold on a second, Slick. I, you're, starting to, you're starting to get the uh, the underwater effect. And not to, not to, yeah, not to switch gears, dude, but you won't believe this shit. Leoto Machida refused, okay. Leoto Machida refused this fight with John Jones. So now, Jones doesn't want to fight Sonnen. Machida doesn't want to fight Jones. Now Jones is going to fight, I think, Vitor Belfort is what they're saying. What the fuck, man? But, proceed. <laughs> is it any better now? Now you're good. Perfect. Yeah, I need to do that kind of thing. No, I was saying, like, the um, the game companies really have given us a shaft more than, than normal. It's like, 
Valve, in terms of consoles, has been doing it for a while, but this this latest one is really just like a slap. It's not even a slap in the face. It's a cock slap in the face. Jesus. Because they released a piece of DLC that has it's 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 not a small DLC because it has an entire campaign, you know, from four different levels created by fans, and um, it has all the original Left 4 Dead 1 content in it as well. So it's a fairly large download. It actually takes a while. Damn. But my thing is, in terms of the Left 4 Dead 1 content, pretty much anybody who has Left 4 Dead 2 owns Left 4 Dead 1. So if I want to put in Left 4 Dead 1, I'll fucking put in Left 4 Dead 1. And it doesn't even let you use the new characters, which, again, I'll, I'll just put in the old disc if I want to play the old game. And the the created content by fans, I'm like, granted, this, this DLC is not expensive. It's like five bucks, I think. But it's free on Steam. Jesus. Really? So like, once again, Valve is like, and maybe it's not Valve, maybe it's Microsoft. I don't know. Because, like I said, it's free on Steam. Microsoft might just be saying, hey, we're going to make some money off this. But the, the bottom line is we're basically getting punished for playing it on Xbox instead of playing it on the computer. And I don't care what you say. That's literally what it is. We're being punished. Fucked up. The other thing... And, I mean, I hate to have something bad about saying this because we have a good relationship with some of these guys. It's not really, it's not against visual games. Anybody that, that works for visual games, it's, excuse me. It's, um, it's against THQ because Darksiders 2 is also cock-slapping the hardcore fans in the face. Because the hardcore fans are the ones that are going to want to play everything that comes with the game. And basically, a game that would be $60, or if you, you know, $80 if you got the, if you were lucky enough to get the collector's edition, is either going to be 80 to $100 if you're a hardcore fan. But, and it could be even more if you don't purchase it quickly enough. Because Darksiders 2 is one of these games that has a season pass, which the season pass gets you three additional um, updates to the game that aren't currently available. But from the description that I read, which it escapes me right at the second, each one of them is probably going to be $9.99 each. Jeez. So if you don't buy the season pass, instead of $20, it will cost you $30, making the game almost $100 now, over $100 if you got the collector's edition. And I'm like, this is just really insulting because this this content is not something that, you know, they developed way down the line. This is shit that was either already made or near completion where the game could have come out a little bit later and everything could have been on the one disc. Jeez. But no, THQ decides we're going to rate pockets. 
because there's also, if you haven't noticed already, a code on the back of the instruction manual where, um, let me pick it up right now and see exactly what it says. Basically, there's, there's the content that you get for free because you purchased the game when it came out. If you're purchasing it used, it's another one of those games where you're going to have to pay extra just to get the full experience. Yeah, th that's, that's THQ at, at its best. And it's like, it's real bullshit. It really that's is, dude. Part, I mean, I, I understand the company trying to make some extra money off of used games, and I can't really say too much about that personally because I don't buy used games. But it's like, it's just really disheartening, and I, I don't want to say, I mean, I have to say it, because it's the only way that things like that can be fought. Fans really can't support, unfortunately, games like this when things like this happen, because that just says to companies, oh, we can get away with this shit. Right. No, you're right. And I understand. I definitely wouldn't want a game like Darksiders or really anything made by Vigil to to fall by the wayside because fans have to send a message to fucking THQ. But that's really what needs to be done. Yeah, it's some unfortunate shit, dude. I think um, the worst part the worst part of that is that this is going to be the continuing trend of just nickel and diming. And, and while you know the developers may not want to do it, and the publishers may. You know that the at the end of the day, you know it's the people that are the company that's putting out the game that's going to want to make that money. It's just the way of the world. While I did have you on, though, exactly. I, I mean, you know, it's it's this this is something you and I have fucking bitched about, and it's unfortunate, especially with games that we really want to play. You know, game Arkham City kind of falls in that too when they try to beat you over the head with with those with the stupid arenas. Oh yeah, you can play as Robin. But only in like these arena things, or oh, you could play as this, but not like that, but not in the main story. I mean, it's something. It's something that's been becoming way too prevalent. But to to wrap to even wrap Arkham, the even Arkham City is a, a culprit because that whole extra mission with, yep. with Harley Quinn is like got to pay for that shit too. Well, check this out. Microsoft is going to add the presidential election coverage onto Xbox Live. So now you'll be able to deal with political pundits and bullshit, not just on your Facebook timelines or on Twitter or even at your workplace, but even where you game. The election 2012 content will begin Monday, August 27th. I'm sure you're super you know excited for that. I'll say to, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I said I'm sure you're super excited to find out that Mitt Romney wiped his nose with a hundred dollar bill this afternoon. You know. The only reason why I will not shit on that is because it'll help, you know, get more young people to vote. Do you really think so? A whole bunch of old people yeah, sitting around I, I a table really complaining. Like, I can understand if it was more youth-centric programming, but 
Basically, what's going to happen is, and I, I'll, uh, I'll break it down to you, Microsoft Corp. announced Election 2012 on Xbox Live, a unique opportunity for Xbox 360 owners to watch and interact with live election coverage of the presidential debates, learn the facts about the candidates and issues from Face to Facts USA. You can register to vote through Rock the Vote and participate in live daily polling from YouGov. NBCnews.com will deliver daily election programming to keep users up to date on the latest news and analysis about the first um, about the election and its candidates. All these experiences will be featured on a brand new election 2012 hub on Xbox Live. Members will be able to fully access the first wave of content, which will focus on convention-related news beginning August 27th. See, registering to vote, okay. But really sitting there with, with NBC talking heads that have no idea how to appeal to the young demographic, this would have been a great opportunity for Xbox to create some unique, you know, first-party programming to add into that. Yeah, well, I think they want to see how it goes first, and then they'll probably, you know, work on it from there. Or not. I mean... People are going to skip that, dude. The the goal of it is basically to get more people to vote, which I got no problem with that. Are you right? Go ahead. Stop it. No, go ahead. I'm like, there's, there's more stupid shit than that that's on Xbox Live. So, I mean, it is what it is. No, I and that, and that's fine. My my issue is with the fact that you're you're bringing politics into something that shouldn't be politically driven. You get what I'm saying? Like if you want to if if you want to put politics in 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 a young demographic, there are other avenues to do it because it always starts with just coverage on Xbox Live. And has the potential to snowball into something more, you know. Before you know it, we'll be seeing political commercials. Before you know, before you load a video on YouTube, you get what I'm saying. And I just don't think that Xbox Live is the platform where you want to kind of reach out to young people because you're get you're trying to play video games to escape from that shit. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, politics should be has its place, just not in my fucking games, not my not on my consoles. Please keep that shit elsewhere, just not there. That's all. Well, I mean, the one thing that I see, at least so far, like you said, so far, is that like anything else on Xbox Live, you have the choice to watch it or not. Right. That's that's they a, start making it mandatory where like before you load Netflix you gotta watch something. Then that's really on Netflix. Oh yeah, of course. I just feel that like anything else, whenever they do this stuff, it's always a pilot program for something else. You get what I'm saying? And that's my concern. My concern is that it starts it starts with something so small that you think, eh, you know, it's just a hub, whatever, and then it's gonna snowball into you know, Dark Helmet put it in the in the chat. You know, spend fifty Microsoft points to vote for Obama, or you know, donate to to the campaign. Like you buy you buy sixty hundred Microsoft points, they'll be like, "Hey, would you like to donate three points to the political campaign?" You get what I mean? Like that's the kind of shit I don't want to see. 
because you know that you know it can go that way at the drop of a hat. And it probably will. They won't let you vote, but they will let you donate. Of course they will. Anything else you need to add, my friend? Yeah, I forgot to say it when I started. Um, I thought you were going to bring it up. I guess maybe because there's really no news about it yet, but going back to Dead Island, you know, Hank, coming off the success of it, they're already, um, there's a release supposed to be coming out next year called Dead Island Riptide, which they've made it pretty clear. The only thing they've made clear is that it's not Dead Island 2. Okay. And considering the way Dead Island ended, you know, if anybody gives a shit if they're playing, they haven't, li- they haven't finished yet, they may not want to listen. Basically, the infection's going to get off the island. That's the bottom line, and they they were looking to, to freaking nuke the nuke the island to, to prevent it, but that got stopped. So you have your your four your four heroes making it off the island alive, and you have somebody who's pretty much a lunatic who might be behind the whole thing to start with, who's with them. So this is probably a segue into Dead Island too. It's it's not being, like, GameStop has it listed, I think, at $39.99, so it's not being billed as a full game. So I'm interested to see exactly what's going to come out of that and how it would link into, like, a Dead Island, uh, or as they, I think it's what we call Dead World. Well, we shall see what happens. If I get more news, you know, I will share it with you guys. Yes, sir. All right, brother, anything else? Nah, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. All right. That wraps up the gaming segment for this week. For, uh, wow, for this week. For this week. Ugh, exhaustion slowly creeping in. Anyway, let's get into this week's movie and entertain. Well, actually, this week's entertainment news because it's really not movies anymore. It's so much more. Let's get it. Spartans! What is your profession? Alright, let's open things up with The Expendables. Obviously, The Expendables 2 is already in theaters, has made a nice chunk of change. The review that we did for it is on MyTakeRadio.com, and be on the lookout for the article for some of the people we'd like to see in another Expendables film. Well, besides that, it seems that a couple of people have been teasing the idea of seeing an Expendable-style film with female action stars. Well, it seems that that is not falling on deaf, on deaf ears. Variety's reporting that Adi Shankar and his production company, 1984 Private Defense Contractors, is looking to do an all-female riff of the action film. So there you have it. You may actually get an Expendables with female action stars, which means we may see uh, Cynthia Rothrock in action, considering I haven't seen her in a movie in years, like to see what she's up to. She go uh, go around karate kicking everybody. I used to I used to call I used to say she looked like Blossom, just karate karate kicking people in the face. But yeah, we may actually finally get a all an, a, a female Expendables. Sounds like something that may work. We'll see what happens. I think we're gonna try and do some fantasy casting for that and see who we can add in there. Um... Like I said, Cynthia Rothrock would work. Um, I don't know. There, there's a couple of different actresses in there that could that can fit. 
but she's the first one that come to that comes to mind. In some Marvel movie news, it looks like like Marvel is looking at James Gunn, who did Super, to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. As of right now, no deal has been confirmed, but people are saying that Marvel really likes James Gunn's sensibility and his ability to mix comic comedy elements with action and horror, much like he did with Super. I think he actually would be very good for Guardians of the Galaxy until it's 100% confirmed. Consider it a rumor. In some other remake news, Samuel L. Jackson is joining the cast of Old Boy. So he will actually play uh, the, uh, the role of the man who is tortured by Old Boy in the revenge scene. I'm hoping that that, if I remember correctly, that would be the scene with the claw hammer. So it should be very interesting to see how Spike Lee does that scene from Old Boy. Old Boy is a great movie, and if you haven't checked it out, make sure you do. I shared one of the fight scenes from Old Boy on the fan page, and people were just dumbfounded at how crazy it was. Make sure you check it out. Moving into some box office totals, of course, The Expendables was number one, The Born Legacy was two, Paranorman was three, The Campaign was four, Sparkle was number five, The Dark Knight Rises was six, The Odd Life of Timothy Green was seven, Hope Springs was eight, Diary of a Wimpy Kid was nine, and Total Recall was ten. Now in your What the Fuck movie news, one of my favorite westerns, Unforgiven, is getting a Japanese remake. Variety reports that Lee Sang-il will direct the film, which is titled uh, Yuru Sarezaru Mono, which is Unforgiven in Japanese. It's going to be set in 1880, um, like the original, but the location is going to be taking place in Hokkaido. Uh, Ken Watanabe from Last Samurai and Inception will play the role made popular by Clint Eastwood, uh, obviously as a samurai with uh, the reputation of a deadly swordsman living in retirement who's forced to come out of retirement when poverty and a large bounty tempt him into picking up his sword again. So there you have it, guys. Uh, Unforgiven getting the Japanese samurai treatment. In a bit of news that you can consider a rumor, especially coming from our very own New York Post here in New York City, which is a rag, there are three actresses currently in the lead for Captain America Winter Soldier. The ladies being considered are for... um, Shannon, is it Shannon Carter? Yeah, I believe that's it. Yes, it is Shannon Carter. Um, Anna Kendrick, Felicity Jones, and Imogen Imogen Poots. I don't know if it's Imogen or Imogen Poots. She was in 28 Weeks Later. Felicity Jones was in Cemetery Junction, and Anna Kendrick was in Twilight. She was also in Scott Pilgrim. Um, I don't know. I don't think any of these actresses really fit the role uh, the Shannon Carter role, especially because she is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it needs a more badass actress. I don't think any of these three ladies really have the tools to make it work, but like I said, it's coming from the New York Post, so it might be a rumor at this time. And some other rumored casting news, it's, it's, being, it's being circulated that Jim Carrey may be joining the cast of Kick-Ass 2. Deadline reports that the film is seeking to cast Jim Carrey in the role of Colonel Stars, a military-themed superhero who founds the super team Justice Forever. As of right now, it's not confirmed, but he would be joining Aaron Johnson, Chloe Moretz, uh, Christopher Mintz, John Leguizamo, Donald Faizam, Yancey Butler, Morris Chestnut, and Robert Ems. So, I don't know. I think Jim Carrey would be make a great addition to the crazy kick-ass universe. So hopefully that comes through. I would really want to see it. 
Of course, as I mentioned before, The Office is going off air after its ninth season. It's going to be the last season. Andrea shared some of her favorite moments, but it's 100% confirmed that this will be the end of The Office. And honestly, it's lost its step, so I really don't mind them putting the kibosh on it now. In some other TV news, the Huntress is going to be seen in CW's Arrow. Uh, she's going to be played by Australian actress Jessica DeGau, G-O-U-W. Of course, for those of you that don't know, uh, Huntress comes from the Batman books. Originally, she was cast as a uh, daughter of a... Originally, her origin was that of a mafia boss um, who vows revenge when her family is murdered. Uh, usually, she hangs out in Gotham City, but she's going to be featured now in Arrow's Starling City instead. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how the Huntress is pulled off in Arrow, considering that she's, like I said, part of the Bat family, somebody you see in the Batman books. I don't know. Arrow's shaping up all right. According to what's been said, she will be appearing in Episode 6. So there you go. Arrow premieres on the CW Wednesday, October 10th. Now, in some other Marvel casting news, it seems that I'm, I'm going to fuck up this guy's name. Adewale Akinoyu Agbaye, I think that's correct, who many of you know as Adebisi and Lost or Mr. Echo. I mean, Adebisi and Oz and Mr. Echo and Lost is joining the, the cast for Thor The Dark World. He's going to be playing the role of Algrim the Strong and also the role of Curse. For those of you not familiar with the character, he actually appeared in Thor 1 in 347, and he's one of the most powerful Dark Elves. He was originally given the, ca- the task of, of trying to go after Thor by Malekith, who's going to be played by Christopher Eccleston. He is betrayed by Malekith, and instead is turned into the more powerful being known as Curse. I think, um, you know, Mr. Echo is a, a good character to use. He has great range. I, I, his work in Oz is legendary as Adebisi. I mean, Oz, I keep fucking it up. His work in Oz and also his work in Lost were definitely memorable. And I think he brings a different pedigree to the Thor cast. I mean, we, we already saw great actors like Idris Elba in there, um, Stellan Skarsgård. Am I right? Is that him? Yeah, I think that's it. Natalie Portman, you got a, a, a really great group of like legit actors and actresses working alongside Chris Hemsworth to make the film work. I honestly think that his addition is going to definitely be interesting, and I think it'll be very good for the film. So I'll be looking forward to Thor 2 when it drops in 2013. The release date as of right now is November 8th. Access Hollywood did an interview I watched earlier today with Chuck Norris, who confirmed that he will not be in another Expendable sequel. Not shocked, especially considering what went down with him allegedly pushing for the film to be PG-13. Also, his his involvement in the movie, while it was funny, you know, it could it could have gone either way. So if he doesn't come back, I'm cool with that. Right now, of course, rumors for Expendables 3 are running rampant with guys like Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford, Nicolas Cage, rumored to be appearing in the third film. Like I said, I'm going to shed some light on who we'd like to see in an article coming out on MTR on MyTakeRadio.com later this week. Probably either, if not tomorrow, then definitely Saturday or, or Sunday. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. As always, 
You can follow My Take Radio on Twitter. Just look for My Take Radio. You can also become a fan on Facebook. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can also ask us questions on Formspring, about movies, comics, mixed martial arts, and wrestling. And if you want, you can call our feedback line, 347-815-0687, and leave your feedback there. If you don't want your audio played on air, please make sure to state that in your message. All right, guys. I will see you guys next week. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 152 for Thursday, August 23rd, 2012. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or on our interview series MTR Beyond the Mic or MTR Behind the Mic, you can always email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Last but not least, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app, either for your Android device from Amazon or for your iOS device via iTunes. You can always hear episodes of MTR on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, also TuneIn Radio, and syndicated on the FutureCast Media Network. I will catch you guys next week. Thanks to everybody that was involved in this week's show. Ben, Luis Gomez, make sure to check out Hammerfisting at hammerfisting.com or on the Riotcast Network. And as always, you can follow the MTR staff on Twitter. I will catch you guys next week. I am out of here. That's all, folks. Taking us out this week will be another track from Artificial Fear. You can follow him on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Artificial Fear official. You can also follow him on YouTube. Just look for Artificial Fear. And also on Twitter, at Artificial Fear Together. And, of course, if you know this song much like last week, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because you'll definitely be able to figure it out within the first minute. Thanks for listening. Enjoy.